0: China ride. Ooh, ride. okay.
1: showed
2: it to... ...Services and the Ad Council. In
0: 1977,
3: an eight-year-old boy picked up the game of golf from his father. The odds of that
0: same boy winning the U.S. Open twice... ...one in 1.2 billion. The odds of him having a child diagnosed with autism...
3: ...one... You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a town square media station. That's
0: our Champion Bobby Lavani here with my brother Terry and my nephew Justin. You know, every sport has its essential safety gear. For racing, we wear helmets, fire retardant suits, and Nomex gloves. For fishing, waterfowl hunting, and boating, we wear life jackets. After an
4: intense race, there's nothing more relaxing than bass fishing or a little duck hunting on the lake. But we're the first ones to tell you, on the track or on the water, accidents happen fast.
3: I expected it to be a lot easier.
5: I thought it was gonna be a piece of cake. I didn't know what step to take next.
3: I was transitioning from the military. I was a vehicle gunner.
5: An avionics specialist. I was an MP, military police.
3: My friends thought I could do anything. I missed my unit, my family.
5: Playing with my daughter, I felt like a stranger.
3: I was overwhelmed.
5: I couldn't sleep.
3: I just wanted to be by myself. I didn't have a clear sense of what to do next.
6: I was too proud. And then I thought, if I'm going through this, other veterans have gone through
3: it too, right? I started to open up.
5: And it made a huge difference. So I reached out, and I saw that I wasn't alone.
3: Because before I was able to take on my next mission, I had to take on just taking care of myself. To find purpose. Purpose. Go to maketheconnection.net to learn how other veterans have overcome the challenges of transitioning out of the military.
6: There's one thing you can never have sex without.
3: It's consent.
6: Because sex without it isn't sex. It's rape. It's on us to stop sexual assault.
4: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
2: Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo
3: Jelly. Jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in... Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case.
2: You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit adoptuskids.org, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.
7: Your day with a forecast here. is brought to you by Bob Ruard Motors, I, an I honest <laughs> upfront deal. All roads lead to BobRuardMotors.com. We'll Your Saturday it's forecast will feature mostly sunny skies, temps cool Toasty and wool. comfortable into the upper 70s and low 80s. Northerly winds will be breezy at 15 to 25. Cheyenne for tonight, winds. clear skies, yeah. lows in the low to mid 50s. Your Sunday outlook, keeping it sunny with highs in the lower to mid 80s, back in the upper 80s, low 90s, sunny and dry for Monday. Lows in the low to mid 50s. i day weather meter. There's
6: one thing you can never have sex without.
3: It's consent.
6: Because sex without it isn't sex. It's rape. It's on us to stop sexual assault.
4: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
8: All right, the computer has completely lost its mind. I am now taking it over. We are done with it. Um, It's going to get to an end of Spot Block and... We can continue with Cargaff. I have no clue what the system is doing at hey, this man. point. I don't know. But we I, were, going, I, I we you were you. going
9: pretty smoothly there for a while. It was, it was working great, and, and I don't mind hearing that Chicago
8: based.
9: Yeah. It's good stuff. It's a good song. But, uh, but, hey, sounds like we got some nice weather for the weekend. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, good yeah, news. That's Click and quick. clack here. <laughs> 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 it was kind
8: of fun to <laughs> oversteer. Uh, no. It's going to be a northerly wind riddle, Cheyenne, wind,
9: shock. Yeah, yeah, 10 to 15 mile an hour. Well, that's not that. That's not that's bad. Not that's wind.
8: Just, that is a breeze. That is like a breath of fresh air. So pressure.
9: let's go fly a kite. That's what everybody should do. Go fly a kite today. That'll be fun. I like flying kites. Do you? Yes. I a, do too. They're always very peaceful things. It's cats. great to fly kites here in Wyoming because you really don't have to run. You just get a sort of flip Well, no, there.
8: I mean, you just chuck it in the air and yeah.
9: the, the, the a fine wind does it. Yeah, give her a little I
8: will never forget, though, goes. years ago. Years and years ago, because Gabby was little and she isn't... Well, Gabby was young. She's still little. Um, <laughs> Hi, Gabby. <laughs> sorry, Gabby. Um, Gabby's a Jubilee Day. She's not listening to her father. Oh, um, is that going on? Yes, uh, Jubilee Days, I believe, is going on at the moment. Anyway, so I decide that my five-year-old daughter needs a kite. Yes. Which basically means that dad needed a kite and the five year old daughter was the excuse. Right. She might have been four. I think this was pre PJ. Anyway. So I go out with said kite out to the the football park out north. And a very strange phenomenon happened at that moment in Cheyenne. It stopped. No wind. Yeah. None. Right. Zero wind. Exactly. And it's like, really? That wind has not stopped blowing since I moved to Cheyenne mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And it just quit. Yeah. It's like, really? Come that's,
9: on. That's just God laughing at you.
8: Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all various relatives going, see,
9: we got you.
8: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, hey, and I talked to other people. It says, yeah, yeah, the first time I ever got a kite, I figured it's Cheyenne. I've got wind. So I'm not the only person
9: to have suffered this. Also, you get people to move here and they go, oh, well, I'll go fly a kite because it's always a little windy. But they don't realize it's a lot windy.
8: Yes, well, and, and yeah, you do have to balance when you fly the kite because yes. kites do kind of collapse in, in high, high winds. Fold up into Yeah, big and then balls, go, so, rrr, rrr, tonk. Yeah. Yeah, or
9: right. something like and that. And then kids
8: cry and it's terrible. Yes, they do. Anyway, let's jump to the phones. Good morning, you're on Cargap.
10: You know, Nick, I got a hammer that'll fix that computer.
8: Oh, you, you, you know what? I am so tempted. So tempted. <laughs> it is just so frustrating. I have absolutely no clue what he did, but it just wiped out all the commercials for the rest of the half hour. So I'm not going to worry about commercials, so we can talk for the next 20 minutes.
10: Okay, well, I got a question for you. For... Many a moon, I have thought that I understood the difference between a flathead and overhead valve engine. However, I went through a brief period of insanity a couple weeks ago, thinking that I might like to get another Corvair. So I sent away for a book on Corvairs, and I was reading it, and I saw the schematic where the valves are, in fact, in the head. And I thought flathead meant the valves were in the block.
8: Okay, so you are confusing, with no disrespect, a flat engine versus a flathead engine. So a Corvair, which I love dearly, um, is a flat engine or also known as a boxer engine um, or a horizontally opposed engine, a la Volkswagen Bug, uh, Subaru, or BMW motorcycle twins. So those are flat, considered flat engines against V engines or inline engines, okay? So the Corvair is a flat six overhead valve. When we go to cylinder heads, the flat head, um, or as we know in Britain, side valve. Uh, the valves are operated in the cylinder block, hmm. um, and are very, very inefficient because the um, fuel dynamics has to come up round sort of ninety degrees into the combustion chamber, and the head is really only there to hold the spark plug and start, and allow compression to happen. Ah. Um, overhead valve, the valves are actually sitting in the head and are operated by, um, a camshaft operating through push rods going up to the valves. You then got the third version of a head, and there are others, but we're not going to get into them, of overhead cam. Right. That is where the camshaft sits on top of the valves, which are operating... Directly the cam operating directly on the valves opening them.
10: Okay, so your traditional Model T, Model A engine is a flathead. It is a flathead,
8: correct? Valves in the block.
10: And the, the core is a flat because of the configuration. Because of the, of the configuration
8: cylinders. of
9: the cylinders, correct? But still,
8: the uh, valves oh, in the head.
10: head. Okay. Well, that had me totally confused when I was looking at the schematic. So, wait a minute, there's valves in the head.
8: Yeah, it is. It is a push on it. It's actually very much related, that engine, um, in many ways, to an aircraft engine. If you look at any of the piston engines that are running pretty much any Cessna or aircraft, small aircraft of that ilk, they're all going to be... Flat six. Well, most are going to be flat sixes, overhead valve operated, like the Lycomings and things like that.
10: Yeah. Okay. And that by the was, way, there
9: was a gorgeous Corvair down at cruise night, the side ramp last week. Oh, a
8: side ramp! Yeah, I love those very things. Cool. Side ramp pickup. Yeah. One
9: day I've got blue to get mine, white, really One day I've white. got
8: to get mine finished. One day. It's not that far away. Um, but uh, okay. father did a ton of work on it, and then we moved house, and well, you know. It's a project that needs to be finished. Yeah, Yet I'm another sure one.
9: It'll be good.
8: So, well, thanks for the call. I hope that okay. cleared it up for you.
10: It, it does. Thanks, Nick. Take
8: All care. right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And let's jump over to line two. Good morning on CarGap.
4: You, you ready for a tangent? It, it, a-, a, a tangent? A tangent?
8: A tangent in a different direction at the hands of you. No, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually slightly terrified.
4: Well, actually, uh, <laughs> the uh, winter issue of the Nickel Plate Society magazine reprodu- uh, reproduced a transcript of the testimony of uh, the former general manager of that railway in nineteen around nineteen late 50s and he was describing the operation of that little railroad. And by the time I got done reading it, I was dumbfounded I just what, what those people could accomplish with what they had was astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for anybody that likes history, uh, I'll throw in a plug for the society for the simple reason that stuff like this is vanishing. And they're trying to erase our. Who controls the past? Who controls the future. I think we better start controlling the past instead of the Ministry of Truth. So uh, head over to uh, nkphts.org and uh, have a look, and maybe join the society, uh, and have a little bit of fun with it. And how we. And Howard is waiting with bated breath for your call. Yeah,
8: and I do have him. I've just got to get up here to the studio um, with some time to record some others, and I do need to get some more done because I know when I am when I do take time off, they, they want to change it up so you're not always listening to the same show. Um, but I, I've got about 12, I think, or so in the Harper, but I need to add about another 15. So I will be giving him a call.
4: Cool. Okay. Uh, have fun.
8: You too. Thanks again.
4: Absolutely. Mm. Flush twice.
8: Bye bye. So, oh. I, and then now that he, well, we, he Skips can call back, I'm sure. Well, I know he can call back. He
9: probably will. So, I got a package this week at yeah. the store. Okay. This is. I was. I was hoping to hear about this. There was some addressing. There was. You mouthed something to me when that first came up. That was well. But, the, yes, because this was flattering. your fault. This is. <laughs>
8: the address much to the hilarity of my fellows over at sham motorsports was to nick skitz jr dodson that's wonderful
9: (laughs) yeah Yeah. thanks a lot you created that monster yeah so there's been a few of those things that that i've been credited for uh there was the Psycho Barbie incident regarding a certain mayor that we had. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's not go Social down that mayor. road. No, that, no, 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 no. It's it's just that sometimes these passing comments. Just I
8: know take they them. just they just take up. Yeah. Skits Junior has now
9: landed. Thanks a lot. Well, you kind of you kind of came in getting all luddite, and, and it just sort of <laughs> seemed like you needed that. So. <laughs>
8: <laughs> really? It was, All was just one time. I, you know? Only one time. Yeah. But yeah, I have been kind of uh, around it now for every weekend for 14 years, so there's bound to be
9: something kind of rubs off. There's an interesting question that is going around automotive stuff especially, but I think of a lot of other things that we buy um, that, that we've just kind of grown to love and appreciate that are, you know, American things, and... Um, it's it's, you know, we're we're kind of told like, well, the market is trending away from sedans. We were talking about that earlier. Yes, like everybody wants the SUV.
8: Everyone else, uh, yeah, everyone wants. Yeah, basically, they all want to drive something that is essentially a 1960s station wagon.
9: Right, but not call it that. Yeah, and and then, or and then the electric vehicles. I think this is where the Skits Junior thing originally might have came out. Was a, a conversation on EV? You know,
8: I have been accused by people who purport to say they kind of like me um, of becoming a grumpy old curmudgeon who doesn't want to change.
9: Yeah, getting. I don't think I called you curmudgeon-y, did I?
8: No, Burke did. Oh yeah. Well,
9: yeah. there's there's y thing. So the question is though, is this actually as organic as we're being made to believe, or? Or is there, and this would be this would be bordering on a skits thing, is there um, sort of a manufactured consent going on to, to borrow a term from Noam Chomsky, is it is it a little bit like you know uh, the companies and the media and the government in, in certain instances? are telling us that this is what we want. So we start thinking that this is what we want and it's just what the corporate Oh, I think
8: is think a little bit on the electric. I'm sure there's something about that on the pickup truck craze, SUV craze. Um, if you look at where we sat with our vehicles we were purchasing when I moved to this country, for mm-hmm. example, in 92, uh, mostly sedans. Um, and there were a few... Part spin specials is the best way of talk, calling them. Uh, one was Toyota, the Forerunner right. SUV, yeah, the, the Bronco, Ford Explorer SUV, the Bronco Two SUV. Which actually, if you looked carefully, you could. In fact, in the case of the Forerunner, it literally was a plastic hardtop bolted to mm. their pickup truck. Yeah. So what they did and what they have done and what they continue to do is create an entire line of vehicles based on one vehicle that really hasn't changed a heck of a lot in the last 30 years. So their research and development, their R&D costs, drop like a rock. But people get all excited about them for whatever reason, and they actually ask a heck of a lot more money for them. I mean, at the extreme and a Lincoln Navigator or a Lincoln Aviator or whatever they call it today, or a Cadillac Escalade is like a Ford Ranger <laughs> is a fluffed up 1972 F-150 or Chevy C-10. Right.
9: Yeah. And I wonder, and so in this area, I get it, because they did stop making heavy cars that can... So Yeah, they did stop making heavy cars. They just can, made them heavy trucks. Well, but... but so your sedans and things like that that could actually navigate really terrible weather and stuff like that. The ground clearances are much lower. Um, you know, so in the wintertime, I understand this area wanting something But this is all over drive. the country. It is, and when we were in Florida in in uh, February, uh, it was one of the things I remarked, that I'm surprised to see how many trucks, and, you know, I get trucks for guys who got to work, but how many Suburbans and you know, Tahoes, SUVs, SUVs
8: and then and then they've gone from the full-size to the cute Q- to these yeah the, these Com- the CUVs compact.
9: yeah and and I would think you know one of the great benefits of living in Florida is you don't have to have stupid four-wheel drive I mean like well of course a lot of them don't right which makes them even more kind of dumb
8: Or does it? Is it people want that space? Or is it just they've been produced into thinking they want that space? Because there is now nothing else to buy. And that's the question. And that's absolutely, is it manufactured? And I agree with you 100% yes. There are, however, manufacturers, and I spoke about one earlier, that Subaru, I mean, they took basically a completely failed car in the legacy wagon. (laughs) The failed car, That was well yeah no i mean it's true they took they had a thing called a subaru legacy it was an okay car it was kind of boring looking it was gutless wasn't terribly well built but it was okay right subaru hired a failed comic from australia paul hogan and they stuck a cowboy hat on him or an australian cowboy hat and they Put large springs on a Legacy. They put plastic fenders on it. They called it the Outback, and they completely designed a new type of vehicle for America. Right. And I mean, they've they've they dominated. I mean, this, in this region and fantastic. this area, they they are yeah. the. And having said that, being very rude about it, what did I buy? Or what did I, Brooke and I buy for our daughter when we wanted her safe on the roads between here and Laramie? An and we bought her an Outback yeah, and, and she loves it and 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 it's really funny watching her come down the road have you ever driven towards Gabby in the when she you always know it's Gabby's Subaru because she's looking through the steering wheel <laughs> and there's a huge dog <laughs> in the front seat looking through the roof
9: so so we had an Outback and they're they're a good little car and, and, yeah you know and and gives you that like that ground clearance from the the old sedans that you know so you're not running over every stupid curb in Cheyenne absolutely uh, and the all-wheel nice. drive
8: works i mean they're relatively economical to run they're they're well built now they the engines are tough as tough um they're, they're a good all round vehicle but subaru and i actually um knew somebody who was with subaru left subaru in 1994 because they were absolutely convinced Subaru. they had been warned Subaru was mm-hmm. pulling out of America. It was failed. It was oh. a failed experiment, and then the
9: Outback happens.
8: Yeah, and the rest is history.
9: So, I would argue that these compact SUVs and, and midsize, like smaller midsize SUVs, like the I don't know the Traverse, maybe the the Ford Edge, the, the Edge. These things. Uh, Kia's got a couple. You're not getting any extra space in those. I've driven these things. You're no, shoehorned into the Jeep Liberty, man. It's ridiculous. It's yes. not even funny. And and uh and the the Encore by Buick, you know, and I love we love our Enclave, the big Buick Enclave. Yeah, but the
8: Encore is a slightly upset egg.
9: It really is. Like <laughs> you're just in oh, this. Yeah. Uh, and
8: I feel like one of those cartoon car. When I see it on Buick I feel like I'm in a cartoon from the 80s, where it was all the little joke joke guy running around. Yeah, with
9: McGilla Gorilla driving the. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and you're gonna have a lot more space and comfort. in in the old, you know, your Impala, your Taurus, you know, your Crown Vics.
8: Well, the Taurus would be sitting on the side of the road with bad transmission. Well, but
9: I understand. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> although was it was actually inclusive. a well-designed car
8: as far as the, the chrysler body.
9: 300 it is a know, brilliant car the, the, the chargers
8: of course the chrysler 300 is what the charger is what do you know what the basis of that vehicle is
9: no i don't mercedes e-series no okay that makes sense. that's why it's right. so good yeah and and though you know but and they have huge trunks you can get way more into an Impala trunk than you can in the back of some of these hatchback SUVs. I oh, absolutely!
8: Understand. I mean, I I remember with um, Brooks' SUV, was, we had plenty of room for the people, but there was like room for two suitcases yeah. <laughs> behind the rear five seats, five shoe
9: boxes, yeah, and, and a and, a and every time of course, you opened
8: it up, you got attacked by the, the, that week's grocery shopping.
9: Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. Mm. it's it's too bad to see but those.
8: it's the way it's the way it's gone it will change i mean electric electrification is going to change i again i i don't like it i don't like electric cars just cuz of the way they sound but it's happening
9: and it's gonna happen, it's not gonna change. That makes sense for people that are commuting into a city. So if you're living in Loveland and commuting to Denver for work or something like that, it makes yeah. sense. And you've got Audi now jumping
8: on board and BMW and Mercedes mm. and GM and Ford, they're all and they're all going up against Tesla. Tesla, I think, will fail, but I've been saying that for years. I just, they're,
9: they're poorly built. No, it's they're hard not, to fail when you keep getting big money from the government.
8: Well, that's going to stop at some point. Yeah. One of the things that I do want to um, mention in the news was a very interesting thing that did not get reported at all over here. But the Europeans just find BMW and the. Um, v- VW, Audi. Okay. Uh, but not Mercedes. Because Fine. in. Wait for this. Remember the VW diesel gate, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at a similar time, VW, Daimler, mm-hmm. Mercedes, Daimler Benz, and BMW all did an agreement very quietly that they were going to stop developing any type of new emissions controls because that costs some money okay and so they did a little collusion thing well we're just not going to do it and then we won't cost ourselves money anyway the authorities in Germany or of the EEC noticed nothing of uh been happening and you know you haven't been developing anything new on these so daimler benz went well have we we need to chat to you about that if you promise not to uh find us we'll tell you what's been going oh, on oh they turned states and evidence. they turned states evidence and so bmw and volkswagen just got almightyly massive that's terrible huge fines and mercedes walked away scot-free and we are to but we are at and that is in the news folks I mean look it up there is not there
9: is something that has just happened and i was really surprised it did not get mentioned this seems like the golden era of uh, this is probably the best the combustion engine has been
8: it's incredible what we're getting out of a out of the internal combustion engine which is now a well over a 100 year design right it's 130 <laughs> 30 years it's probably one of the most successful um designs ever right it, you know in how it's lasted without really yeah. any great change um but no it's at the end of its time what, what is the coyote getting out of a five liter the five liter coyote oh, I mean, 700 yeah 700. i mean yeah, 700 horsepower you've got um uh, 500 horsepower v8s that are returning 23 to the gallon going down the highway the 6.2 um, the six
9: two super sport we got is is Going well over twenty miles. hour. Yeah,
8: uh, it's it's incredible, and you've got small engines in small vehicles that can that are actually far more efficient than the electric vehicle for the amount of carbon that's
9: electricity that was created, Again. and and the clean. Look, you you can run these in a closed ex- in a closed garage now. If you, right, I mean, but the, it's the not the carbon, a good idea. No, still. no, don't do that, please. But uh, <laughs> the carbon issue is still
8: the carbon issue. But the electricity is still a carbon issue because we're not all, as much as we the windmills up everywhere they can, um, it's still a relatively small part of our power is coming from a non carbon source. Well, you know what? I think, we're done. I think we're done. We've got about one minute left. Doug uh, is in here ready to take over from us and uh, give you uh, all the local news. And we will be back here next week on cargap. Well you won't be. Well you might be, who knows? Who knows? Hey, hey, Oh actually fun. no, I lied. I will be here. But I won't be here. Because of well, the cool thing that's happening next week is we are gonna be live on location at the Cubby Hole. Right. Which is a new vehicle condo um system that has been built out on Del range and do I don't know. We we will we will be there though live on location talking to people about what what they can find at the Carby Hall if they've got some other need to store vehicles. It's a really, really, really cool idea. And so we'll be talking about that on location next week here on CarGap. And with that, we're done. See Everybody you take care. Bye-bye.
11: families have received word. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. More bodies have been recovered from the pile of rubble where a condominium tower once stood in Surfside, Florida.
3: Miami-Dade officials say the recovery mission at the site of that condo building collapse is moving along with great urgency. Overnight, more bodies were pulled from underneath the heavy concrete and metal remains of Champlain Tower South. The death toll now at 86, 43 people are still potentially unaccounted for as first responders desperately try to provide closure to the families.
11: Fox says Charles Watson, work at the site was briefly halted this morning because of lightning strikes
0: there are two different operations underway now at the site one at the original collapse site working very carefully to recover
6: victims and the other at the more recently collapsed remaining building to quickly remove the rubble
11: surfside mayor charles brookett The all-clear's been given at Fort Lauderdale International Airport following a security investigation that evacuated two terminals. Travelers are asked to check with their airlines for updated flight information. Finance ministers from the G20 nations have wrapped up talks in Venice. They agree that the economic outlook is better than it was in April, but they warned that new COVID-19 variants could threaten the recovery. They also endorsed a global corporate tax rate of at least 15%. They won't be canceled. That's the theme of a conservative gathering in Dallas this weekend. They attack our First
12: Amendment freedom of speech with censorship from big tech, with a cancel culture, with speech suppression by government activities.
11: House Republican Mo Brooks of Alabama, who's running for Senate, CPAC wraps up tomorrow with a speech by former President Trump. America's listening to Fox News.
3: Hey, it's Brett Larson, inviting you to download and listen to the new daily Fox on Tech podcast. There's part of a colorful late 90s iMac on Mars. It's an idea that seems a lot like Kickstarter called Build It. This isn't the first time we've heard about North Korea hackers trying to get a leg up on COVID-19, a range that was used for satellite TV service in the 70s. Get the latest trends in technology, cybersecurity alerts, and gadget news daily. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America trusts. Download it now.
11: He's being described as a good husband, father, and sheriff's deputy. Authorities in Webster Parish, Louisiana, say Deputy William Collins Jr. was fatally shot last night while responding to a disturbance call at a home in Doyle Line, about 20 miles east of Shreveport. Jason Parker is the Webster Parish Sheriff.
13: My main focus over the next few days, over the next few weeks, months, is going to support them and give them all that I can to uh,
1: to help make this better and give them some closure.
11: The suspect who barricaded himself inside the home was taken into custody. Shoplifting appears to have become sport in San Francisco. Seems like every other day there's new video of a brazen theft. Target says it's reducing its hours and six of its stores in San
5: Francisco because of the continuous theft. Now Walgreens too, deciding to close some of its stores there, 17 stores in San Francisco. And this comes after authorities arrested a man who slowly rode a bicycle through a Walgreens store in San Francisco. That man is now facing charges connected to at least seven shoplifting incidents since May
11: says Christina Coleman, earlier this week, thieves made off with thousands of dollars in merchandise from a Neiman Marcus. If you're looking to strike it rich, don't play this lottery in Hawaii.
4: Hey, want a goat? Here's your chance. The state of Hawaii
12: is holding a lottery, where the winners get goats. They're not native to our 50th state, and Pu'u Honua, o Honauna'u National Historic Park on the Big Island, is overrun with nearly 700 of the invasive critters. Interested? Then you'll need to get a permit. They'll be issued through a random lottery on July 28th. All applicants must indicate how many they want, and if you do win, you'll need an enclosed horse trailer to pick them up. That
4: way, the pesky little things won't try to escape. Fox to get you on the road. Stop in today or visit Kia of Cheyenne.com.
7: Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruard Motors, an honest, upfront deal. All roads lead to BobRuardMotors.com. Your Saturday forecast will feature mostly sunny skies, temps cool and comfortable into the upper 70s and low 80s. Northerly winds will be breezy at 15 to 25. For tonight, clear skies, lows in the low to mid 50s. Your Sunday outlook, keeping it sunny with highs in the lower to mid 80s, back in the upper 80s, low 90s, sunny and dry for Monday. Lows in the low to mid 50s. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist on Watson.
1: AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone I have Marion Smith or Marion, of course, known as the former mayor of Cheyenne, but what she's doing with us today. She is the uh, news she's the CEO of American CryptoFed, which is a new DAO. Good morning, Marion.
2: Good morning.
1: It's good to speak with you again. So what what exactly is a DAO? I'm not sure people understand that.
2: Yeah, it's, um, a DAO stands for a Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And uh, it's, what it is is it's a form of LLC, which is a Limited Liability Corporation. And um, it's a way of forming an, an organization or a corporation in our case um, that is, uh, it's done through the use of blockchain technology, and uh, through that, um, participants in the organization can make um, consensual decisions without really having a, a governing body, if you will, that, that comes in and, and votes and oversees everything. It's, um, it's, it's used throughout the, the, all of the organizational um, members have voting rights, if you will. And unlike kind of your, your current um, business uh, organizations, if you think that they probably have you know, annual meetings and changes to the bylaws and, and having to get together to to cast votes, this is done very quickly and allows for um, again greater government through uh, through everybody that's that's a participant and also um, a large savings both in in time and cost for organizations. And it's uh, it's a brand new, um, as I mentioned, it's a brand new organizational structure within the state of Wyoming Secretary of State's office and it's legislation that um, our Wyoming state lawmakers have been looking at for several Uh, years. And Wyoming, much like we were in the 1970s, the very first state to recognize limited liability companies, Wyoming is now the first state in the entire nation to recognize these DAOs, or Decentralized Autonomous Organizations.
1: So Marion, this obviously is not my area of expertise, but as a layman, it sounds like, I don't know if this is the right term, uh, a corporate direct democracy? Would that be a fairer characterization?
2: Yeah, that's a really that's a really good way to um, to describe it, Doug. It's it it really is. It really takes um, it, it decentralizes. It takes the power away from um, anyone you know entity, any kind of corporate entity. In fact, I I think we kind of made it clear in, in in the press release that ideally, I I won't even be CEO because there shouldn't be a CEO of a DAO going forward. But somebody has to file the paperwork and, and organize, organize um, the organization and then um, once there are uh, members within the organization, it's uh, all of the voting is, is spread a, a, across the, the organization.
1: So at some point, does your title as CEO, do, do you go away or, or is that permanent or how does that work?
2: Yeah, at some point I, I the title goes away and I'm just a, a member of the organization like anybody else is, is a member of the organization.
1: Okay, now as the as the name uh, kind of implies, it's cryptocurrency. Again, I'm not sure everybody grasped the concept. It's it's a term that's still a little new to some people. Right. Uh, explain um, that to us if you would. Sure.
2: So, uh, cryptocurrency is uh, certainly it's it's emerging. It's it's been around for a while. Bitcoin. Um, people certainly have been hearing about you know Bitcoin and now Dogecoins coins and um, you know different exchanges that are out there um, within the markets. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about how ours is, is different, but when people think of cryptocurrency, they typically think about, um, you know, Bitcoin and how that really fluctuates in, in the markets. Um, and there's a lot of question as far as, you know, really real world, everyday practicality use of cryptocurrency. Um, even the federal government is taking a look at uh, making even our, our US dollar our digital, if you will, um, the uh, the pandemic in COVID certainly brought a lot of this to light when um, businesses at, at one point some businesses weren't accepting actual physical money. You had to use um, your a credit card or a debit card or some digital form of payment, if you will. Um, and so, uh, the federal government is looking at um, you know possibly taking our, our U.S. dollar and making that digital, but. But cryptocurrency is um, again a really emerging uh, emerging technology, and it's uh, it's actually a lot more fraud-resistant um, than than what people would think too, because of the blockchain technology and the again the the technology that's that's behind it that really allows um, for uh, you know anti-money laundering and. Knowing really who the customers uh, are that that you're that you're working with, and, and you think about too, it's just our U.S. dollar and how um, how often that is, you know, counterfeited at, around the world. So, uh, cryptocurrency is definitely uh, an emergent technology, and um, and we uh, will be launching into that into that space here um, in in the future as well.
1: Now, how how is this company going to make money? I mean, what, what where's the profit here?
2: Well, it, it's it, it's interesting in that it's not so much about profitability. What we are really trying to do is create um, a new currency that is uh, used wild, wildly through um, the the merchants and consumers. and And the mission, unlike what we're experiencing with our our U.S. dollar and uh, the devaluation of it, is that um, the mission of of what we will be launching is. Uh, a new monetary currency that has zero inflation and zero deflation and is really quite stable and um, and then again used um, from, uh, from the merchant to uh, consumers, um, peer-to-peer transactions uh, but again really targeting that zero inflation and, and zero deflation and then uh, really what um, the The ultimate goal is too is a huge savings for um, for merchants. It, when I, every time uh, I go down, you know, downtown Main Street, um, use my you know debit card or credit card, the merchants have to pay a fee to to accept my money. And with this uh, new monetary payment system, there will be no transaction fees for for merchants.
1: Now, when you say it's digital, and Mary, and this is all new to me, so you're going to have to, if I'm off, you're going to have to help me here. Um, I'm sort of assuming then that there would be no paper or coins. You would just break out your phone and do a digital transaction. Is that how that would work?
2: Yes, absolutely. And so uh, the way that it, um, the way essentially that it would work is I would go to a participating bank and um, through uh, Becoming a customer of that bank. They know who I am. They, um, so that's the whole anti-money laundering, or AML, and then um, KYC compliant is know your customer. So uh, individuals are then um, recognized to the bank, and essentially what I can do is transfer, um, I can download a, a, a digital wallet onto my phone. And I can transfer funds from my bank in U.S. dollars to uh, the currency, which we are calling the ducats, and then that's available in a wallet. And I can go to a participating merchant or um, hot dog stand or you know a Friday on the Plaza and pull up my QR code and exchange uh, fees and that the cost, if you will, for for the transaction um, that way and. Uh, what's beautiful is that I actually get rewards back for um, a transaction I make, and then whoever I'm doing business with, they get that money instantaneously in their wallet as well. They can exchange it for U.S. dollars, or they can keep it in Ducat, and they're not charged a transaction fee um, for that, uh, for that um, transaction, if you will, that, that occurred
1: now a couple of questions here um for foreign travel would you still have to get a currency exchange or would this be recognized internationally ideally
2: well ideally it'll be recognized internationally but that's we're we're a ways off from that we're we're um certainly starting off uh, here in wyoming and uh, also um with states that are also looking at um adopting if they haven't already uh, the kind of legislation that, that we have introduced. They don't necessarily have to recognize DAOs, but uh, several mayors across the country have expressed really an interest in um, taking their communities and uh, their municipalities into the cryptocurrency um, dynamic.
1: And what, what are the advantage of, advantages of that for a governmental entity?
2: Well, for governmental entities um, with, with what we are, uh, with what we're gonna be rolling out, Again, the governmental agencies, much like um, our merchants, I, and I experienced this um, with the city of Cheyenne. We spend a lot of money on those transaction fees. Uh, right. So every time a business permit is is pulled, and a business owner wants to use their um, their credit card or debit card, that comes out of somebody's wallet, and usually it's the city's, or it's passed on to the consumer. And what um, what this system will allow then is for those transactions to take place instantaneously but without those transaction fees because there's there's no need to because of the automation and the blockchain technology there is no reason to charge a transaction fee because it's there's there's no cost involved
1: so it's certainly like a, like a credit card without the transaction fees
2: that's, a, that's that's absolutely one way to look at it yeah but but the but without having um, the depths, if you will or interest rates being um, having to be
1: charged. Absolutely. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Marion Smith, Orr, CEO of American CryptoFed. Uh, we're talking about, uh, first of all, a new form of govern- a new form of uh, corporate entity called a DAO. This is something that was approved in the legislature just earlier this session, and we're going beyond that, and talking about cryptocurrency. Now, I believe in the release I read, and you mentioned the Ducat, I believe there's also going to be a lock issued. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so we are gonna have um, two tokens. So the DECOT is uh, a token designed for daily transactions and it has a store of value and again protecting its price from fluctuations against the dollar. And um, the market price is, is managed uh, to be really close to um, a target exchange rate and again that's done through, Great technology, machine learning, and um, and then a linear control theory that really is able to keep everything stable um, versus you know the fluctuations that we certainly see um, in 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 our case with the U.S. dollar, um, the devaluation of it. And then the other token is a what's referred to as a governance token, and that is um, it's one that we're calling Lock we've named it Locke after um, John Locke, and uh, certainly going with the principles of um, the, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence and, and monetary independence. And that token is designed to be um, the stability for the Ducat. So essentially, um, that is the, the token that we use to uh, base the supply of, um, and and keep that control within uh, the Ducat. So with the Ducat, there will be unlimited um, tokens available and the lock will be uh, limited to uh, 10 trillion uh, lock tokens when it's it's launched.
1: When will this all be up and running if we know?
2: Well, we are really, uh, we're a few months out. We are working um, definitely to be uh, compliant within um, the Securities Exchange Commission there' have been of course you know in the news lots of talk as far as regulation we want to make sure that we are fully federally um, in compliance and uh, specifically with um, what's referred to as a safe harbor 2.0 proposal within um, the Securities Exchange Commission uh, Commissioner Hester Pierce has um, has um, that proposal out there and so we're you know making sure that we are um federally regulated and uh, with compliance and that of course takes a little bit of time but we're hoping uh, here with uh, before the end of the year and um, and I'll just say this as far as you know Wyoming and being the first uh, news got out and Wyoming's been making international news with us we we really underestimated um, the amount of, of excitement that this would generate and there have been Literally hundreds of different stories written and translated uh, across the world about this new organization, and uh, I've been reached out to versus uh, via different social media platforms with companies now looking at wanting to uh, move their headquarters to Wyoming under this new um, under this new uh, organizational business structure that that we have. So we've really gained. Um, international attention we've got uh, lots of people wondering when they can um, y- you know purchase uh, the the coins and, and we're, we'll be sure to let everybody know when, when that happens.
1: Okay I'm speaking with uh, Marion Smith or CEO of American Crypto Fed. We're talking about cryptocurrency and uh, the uh, new decentralized autonomous organization of which uh, my understanding is this company is the first of its kind in the world in that regard is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we've we been working certainly with members of the legislature. Uh, we've got a local um, uh, attorney here in town, Matt Kaufman, has been fantastic. He's with uh, Hathaway and Kuntz Law Firm, and um, at, at midnight on July 1st, uh, he was up and, and filing our paperwork uh, in the Secretary of State's office, and we heard back from Secretary of State uh, Buchanan's office at 12, 11 a.m. On, on July 1st, uh, our organization was the, the first to register, and it certainly probably wasn't the last on, on that day and won't be the last going, going forward. There's a lot of interest in, um, in this new form of limited liability corporations.
1: Okay, and we are taking calls six three two three three two three. I would ask that you stick to the subject of American Crypto Fed and the new DAO. Marion, does this present any particular regulatory challenges as opposed to traditional currency? Does the government have to deal with things they wouldn't have to deal with otherwise?
2: No, actually, it's it's less regulated, if, if you will, as far as what we think of as as government. It's it's governed by it's governed by the participants in the program. And that's, uh, you know, if, if we think about even our, our own system of, of government, wouldn't it be great if, if we probably had a lot more say in, in some of the decision-making that, that, that happens? And with this new organization, that's, uh, that's how, it's, how it's governed.
1: Now, I'm sure at some point you'd like to expand beyond the borders of Wyoming. Is there any legislation pending in other states to allow for that?
2: Well, yes, um, I I believe that Arizona and possibly Utah have uh, really taken um, Wyoming's uh, legislation and and pretty much mirrored it, Um, but what's great about this is we actually don't have to have full legislation by other states to to carry it forward. It's something that um, what we're going to be doing is working directly with banks that um, are able to Host our wallet, if if you will. We have um, banks that are interested in, in talking with us and and partnering with us, and we've also been really engaged in working with um, an organization called the Merchants Advisory Group, or the MAG. And that group is an organization of approximately 170 of the largest um, retailers in the country, if you will. So think about you know all of your um, your your grocery store names, your big box names, and then working along too with reaching out to organizations like our downtown development authority and chambers of commerce and getting merchants involved in the conversation of what it would look like for them to receive this form of currency and be able to um, conduct business uh, with it as well. So it's. Um, there's a lot of work to be done over the, over the next few months and, and uh, certainly years. There is, uh, within the Securities Exchange Commission in this particular proposal, there's a, a three-year um, pilot, kind of, if, if you will. And so this is, uh, this is something that's um, going to take a lot of work to certainly get launched. But it's, it's growing, and we certainly have mayors from around the country that, um, that are interested as well.
1: Now, let, let's assume I wanted to spend some of these uh, Ducats. Would I go to my bank and open up a special account? Would I go online? Uh, what would I need to do?
2: Yeah, ideally, you would just be able to go online and um, let them know that you want to open up and download um, a new wallet onto your um, smartphone and then make that exchange very seamlessly as uh, Many of us probably um, you know use Venmo or something kind of similar to transfer funds back and forth. Something very similar to that. And then um, so that that transaction then yes, would happen um, from your bank and then into your digital wallet on your smartphone. And then uh, ideally you could you know go down to um, Friday's on the Plaza or another event and pull up your uh, pull up your smartphone and the QR code and make that purchase, and then actually receive um, Ducat's back, or rewards back into your wallet for using that purchase, and then no cost to the merchant on the other end for, for that transaction fee.
1: Would there be any concern about hackers getting in and stealing money or counterfeiting money or anything like that?
2: No, and that again is the, that's the beauty of the blockchain technology. It's much more, um, it's much more safe than our traditional uh, way of, of doing business if you will with with the banks and 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 hacking accounts and then again uh, just the US dollar and and forgeries um, in in general
1: okay I'm speaking with uh, Marion Smith or we're talking about American crypto Fed, uh, which is a DAo a, a form of uh, Corporate entity, which actually was just approved in our legislature last year. Uh, Marion, was was that bill written specifically uh, at the behest of American Crypto Fed, or did you jump on the uh, opportunity once it was there?
2: It's the latter. We jumped on the opportunity once it was there. Um, the uh, our organization was actually um, registered as a in, as a corporate entity prior to um, the July first. We were registered with the Secretary of State's office as a just a general corporate filing. And so we switched over and um, made some adjustments uh, to our organizational structure and, and switched over. So um, we didn't need this structure to get up and running, but it certainly, we believe, is um, it's, it's a better way of, of really conducting uh, governance, if you will, by all of the people, by the people and for the people of, of the organization.
1: How much um, hesitance, if any, are you running into people because this is just such a new concept?
2: Really, we haven't we haven't run into um, hesitancy because even the merchants that we speak with and we've um, we've actually uh, been in contact and and have been part of different forums within the merchants advisory group. Uh, we've We've done webinars. Um, we are. Uh, we've got speaking engagements at their um, annual conference in, in September in, in Florida. Merchants really know that digital currency, digital forms of payment, are it's it's coming. If if not even here, um, and again, it, we really what really amplified, if you will, the the need for it was certainly the the coronavirus and people not taking physical money so much anymore. And so, uh, what we're hearing um, not only across the nation with the merchants and the excitement of not having to uh, spend those transaction fees um, that really cost businesses a lot of money. And and we know that, you know, the margin profitabilities are are slim. And so the merchants are really excited about it. And what we're hearing even internationally is the need for a monetary system that is zero inflation and zero deflation and one that is um, not susceptible to the the whims, if you will, of of governments. And the only way to do that is through this this autonomous organizational kind of structure that really takes um, machine learning and and mathematical formulas and on a monthly and quarterly basis gauges where the spending is is how consumer spending is, is going and and can adjust so that it really is, is truly a stable, a stable economy, a stable token without um, the devaluation that our U.S. dollar has.
1: This is a little bit philosophical and perhaps slightly far afield, but I'll ask anyway, uh, is this going to lead to a cashless society at some point?
2: Oh, um, you know, I don't know that we will completely ever get away from cashless, uh, certainly not Completely away from the the U.S. dollar, but you know, I it, counterfeiting is a big deal, and it, it, I, I do see us possibly getting away from cashless, but it it will certainly take it'll certainly take some time.
1: Marion, why did you get involved with this?
2: Well, I, I it's it I was really thrilled to be asked um, before the end of the year, uh, shortly after. Um, the election, uh, Representative, some of you all might remember, um, Representative Tyler Lindholm was very right, yes. active in, uh, actually, the, the Blockchain Committee and, and getting this legislation and other legislation going forward. He was the previous CEO, and he went to work for um, Senator Cynthia Lummis when she was elected, and I met the, um, the folks, the team that I am a part of, uh, a couple of years ago in... Um, a legislative hearing when i was uh, actually testifying as, as mayor about um, how fantastic blockchain can be for uh, even communities such as, as cheyenne and in, in being able to um, keep records safe and secure um, and and basically out of file cabinets and so i met this team um, back in 2018 and the opportunity arose when uh, tyler lindholm went to work for Senator Cynthia Lummis and they asked me to step in and I started the, the day after I left office. So I've, um, it's, it's certainly new and exciting and I'm, I'm really excited for not only this opportunity but for Wyoming again to be um, first on the map and, and really the international recognition that the state's getting for uh, the work that's been done by our legislature.
1: Okay, I'd like to thank my guest. We've been speaking with Marion Smith. Or Marion, is there a website people could go to to learn more?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, www.americancryptofed.org.
1: Thanks, Marion. I appreciate it.
2: Have a great day, Doug. Thanks talk to you
1: me. later. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk rating. Coming up on a news and information break here at the bottom of the hour.
7: Your day the forecast is brought to you by Bob Aruard Motors, an honest upfront deal. All roads lead to Bob com. Your Saturday forecast will feature mostly sunny skies, temps cool and comfortable. Into the upper 70s and low 80s, northerly winds will be breezy at 15 to 25. For tonight, clear skies, lows in the low to mid 50s. Your Sunday outlook, keeping it sunny with highs in the low to mid 80s. Back in the upper 80s, low 90s, sunny and dry for Monday. Lows in the low to mid 50s. i day weather
5: meteorologist on Watson. I'm Tiffany. I have some tips for you on how to quit smoking like I did. First, I did some reading about it. I found a lot of great advice on how to quit smoking and picked out the ways I thought would work best for me. I started by setting a quit date. Then I threw out my ashtrays, lighters, and matches. I did other things too, like exercising more, and it worked, but i still get cravings, especially on long car rides. To help me with that, I put a picture of my mother in my car. She died of lung cancer from smoking cigarettes when I was only 16. Now I have a 16-year-old daughter. That picture of my mother reminds me that I don't want to miss all the things my daughter is going to do in her life, including turning 17.
3: You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills.
7: I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Years 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse.
1: AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Thank you for joining us here on your Saturday. And I hope you're having a good weekend. Beautiful day outside. Right now on the phone, I have Stephen Brinkley. Stephen is with the Veterans Help Foundation of Wyoming. Good morning, sir. How
14: are you, doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: I'm doing well I'm glad to have you on here this morning. Now you guys have an event coming up actually July seventeenth. What's going on?
14: So we are doing an inaugural event called the Guns of Wyoming. And it is a an event that gives people in Wyoming an opportunity to meet gun vendors that they never thought they would have an opportunity to meet, um, from the smallest manufacturer to hopefully some of the bigger ones are coming as well.
1: Now, why, but why? We'll have, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to ask why, why is that a veterans uh, event per se?
15: Well, because
14: a lot of veterans, they'll like to, to shoot guns and go hunting and, um, a lot of veterans actually have FFLS to build uh, firearms. Okay. Um, especially here in Wyoming.
1: Now, on your uh, on your uh, informational sheet here, I see raffles, silent auctions, a swap meet, a I, I want to enunciate this carefully. Pucker Factor Precision Challenge. What is the Pucker Factor Precision? Uh, I can't talk. Precision Challenge. There we go. <laughs>
14: Trust me, it's a a tongue twister. Uh, So, Pucker Factor Precision is a company out of Evanston, Wyoming. They make high-end rifles. Um, I met this individual by sheer chance, and we started talking, and he loved what our organization is about with our mission of helping veterans Uh, get into the outdoors and elude the risk of suicide. Um, When I told him about the, uh, the event that we were thinking about kicking off, he said, well, why don't I sponsor a rifle for you guys that you can use for a specific event to give away something special? So what we are doing with the Pucker Factor Precision Challenge is three people are going to get drawn, and they will have the opportunity to shoot this rifle from Pucker Factor cha- uh, from Pucker Factor Precision, and they're going to get three shots at the 100. They're going to get three shots at the 200, and they're going to get a single shot at the 300. The 300 yard shot is going to be a coin shot. Okay. So the closest to the center of the coin with the tightest groupings on the 1 and the 2 are are going to win a really nice rifle.
1: That takes some marksmanship to do that. Yes, sir. Now tell us a little bit about the rifle if you know. what what, what is the what is the the prize rifle here? What can you tell us about it if you know?
14: So the so the prize rifle is a Nemo firearm from Boise, Idaho, and it's a it's a 308 AR-10. I believe they're putting a scope on it. Um, I that's I, I, I can tell you that it's going to be decorated. It's going to be it's it's going to be a really nice
10: rifle.
1: Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Stephen Brinkley with the Veterans Help Foundation of Wyoming. We're talking about the Guns of Wyoming inaugural event, and that's coming up July 17th, which actually would be a week from today. Uh, it's going on at 975 Shadow Ridge Drive off Horse Creek Road in the Cheyenne area. Um, Stephen, from your uh, from your poster here, you're inviting business owners out. Is that right? Yes,
0: yes, sir. So
14: uh-huh. any... any- business owner that wants to do a, uh, a vendor booth uh, we're not charging any vendor fees uh, whether that's a food truck or, or whatever the only thing we're going to ask at the end of the night is if you feel that you can do an in-kind donation please do so if you can't we understand sometimes you don't make A lot of money at these at these events and we're not trying to gouge anybody
1: steven how did this come about this is the inaugural event how did this all happen
14: it happened in my mind
1: okay (laughs) well that's a good start
14: um i i was talking to uh chad parsons who's our president Mm -hmm. and i said hey what we don't want to do the typical banquet that's what we're trying to get away from.
1: Because everybody we, does that. We
14: Everybody does a banquet. You feel obligated to, to spend a whole lot of money, and things are tight right now. So, yes, are, are we going to have raffles? Absolutely. Are we going to have some big items that you're going to have an opportunity to win? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, It goes to to help veterans, but when it comes to these vendors and these business owners that that go out and do these vendor events, our thought process on that was, why charge them? Um, Let them come out, see what our our organization is about, and maybe that will create a relationship with them where they want to help more in the future.
1: Okay, and speaking of the Veterans Help Foundation, you, you've been on our show before, so some of our listeners know a little bit about it, but some probably don't. Tell us a little bit about the Veterans Help Foundation.
14: So the Veterans Help Foundation was founded by uh, a gentleman in Louisiana, um, and we met him in, in 2018 with uh, bringing a couple of his uh, veterans down in Louisiana up to Wyoming for an antelope hunt.
10: Mm-hmm.
14: Um, in 2019, we uh, Chad and I made the decision to uh, reach out to Veterans Help Foundation and see if they wanted to to have a Wyoming chapter. And that's when we got kicked off. was uh, late April of 20 uh, 2019.
1: So you're a relatively um, new organization in here locally. Yes and you yourself are a veteran correct
14: yes i am i uh i served in the in the navy from uh nineteen ninety eight to to two thousand ten um and the reason I give back is i lost a really good friend in fact he was almost like a little brother to me on nine eleven and when the Pentagon got hit
1: mm-hmm.
14: um I live with survivors guilt because of it um when when we were in ETA school together in Great Lakes, uh, Illinois, um, he covered my six to to allow me to take uh, my former spouse back to the state of Washington, and he took the orders to the Pentagon.
1: Mm-hmm.
14: And uh, and unfortunately, he was uh, he and thirteen other sailors were were killed, murdered actually on, on
1: 9-11. Steven, what are some of the special challenges that veterans face?
14: You know, that's a good question, Doug. Um, we face a lot of challenges. Uh, we, we battle our own demons from what we dealt with in our military career. We, uh, you know, some veterans have uh, traumatic brain issues are uh, traumatic brain injuries, TBI. Uh, almost, I think the percentage is something like 75 or 80% of all veterans have uh, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, uh, which is PTSD. Um, a lot of us have anxiety issues. Um, but the biggest thing that most veterans miss and what causes a lot of issues is when you're in the military and you're on active duty, you, you form a brotherhood with people that are in your command. Mm -hmm. You, you create a camaraderie and, and when you leave the military, whether it's you just decide to get out or you're, you retire all of a sudden you go from that camaraderie and that brotherhood to almost nothing. You don't have that, that, person covering covering your six anymore and and it causes trauma to a lot of veterans especially those of us who have served a lot of uh a lot of time in in battle um i did four tours i had three in iraq and one in afghanistan um so it uh It makes it hard when you don't have the knowledge that if you get into a situation, you don't have that person behind you making sure that you're safe. You don't have that person you can reach out to uh, when you're having a bad day. And so what Veterans Health Foundation is trying to accomplish, especially here in Wyoming, is we're trying to create that brotherhood again. We're trying to create that camaraderie and it doesn't matter what branch you were in. Um, just know that we're going to pick on you equally and you can pick back and, and just come and join us and have fun and, and, uh, get, get out of the basement. Um, we, you know, we do more than hunting. We do fishing, we do hiking, camping, ice fishing. Uh, We'll do snowshoe hiking, we'll do uh, shed hunts, Uh, anything biking, anything you can think of to get a veteran into the outdoors. It's been proven for almost two decades now that it's almost more effective to have a veteran get into the outdoors and do an adventure than it is to have them sit in a room and talk to a counselor. nothing against the counselors out there if any of them are listening i i have my own counselor myself um but uh but it it, it's it's more we find that it's it's been more effective
1: steven you mentioned something like 75 to 80 percent of veterans have ptsd that would uh obviously includes some who've not seen combat so this is not strictly a combat related issue is that correct
14: yes ptsd does not have to be combat related um there's there's many reasons that ptsd happen uh females they unfortunately can have ptsd from um being from sexual trauma uh males could have ptsd from sexual trauma um it's not just the ladies out there that deal with that. Uh, you could have had a bad command that you know put a lot of pressure on on you for certain issues and that can that can lead to, to different things. Um, I've known I've known guys that have had PTSD from, just going out to sea for 90 days and being away from from the from land and didn't realize that 90 days at sea was going to be that difficult
1: i remember and this is sort of a side note but i remember touring the uss cheyenne in 1996 and we, we got to tour it when they launched it and i remember thinking well this is you know this is all high tech and it's all pretty cool and all that but being under the under the sea and i'm i'm a rather larger person um, I, I could see where people would get, for lack of a better term, cabin fever, for example, from serving on a sub. Does that sort of thing happen? Yep.
4: Oh,
14: absolutely. Uh, uh, more so on our fast attacks than, than, on, the, than on the SSBMs, the ballistic uh, nuclear subs. Um, I know a lot about submarines, even though I wasn't a submarine sailor. I served two tours on a sub base. Um, most of my friends were, were submariners. So, um, they, uh, fast attacks deal with a lot of, of the cabin fever issue because they do do long deployments. Uh, in fact, during the, the 2002, 2003 deployment that I was on with the Abraham Lincoln, which by the way, is the fifth longest deployment in Naval history. And the longest deployment in naval history for a nuclear aircraft carrier,
10: mm-hmm.
14: uh, two hundred and ninety seven days. Um, we had two subs with us that were fast attacks who did that same two hundred and ninety seven days and never switched crews. Um, it It puts a strain on on you. It puts a strain on your family. It puts a it puts a strain on everything.
1: Steven, is there anything we could do as a society to ease the transition for military veterans from, from the military to civilian life? Tough question?
14: Better, better, Yeah, that is a tough question because a lot of people think that you leave the military and you're, you're just going to transition back to what civilian life is. Mm-hmm. But they're. But that's not true. Okay. Um, it, it, some do, if they serve maybe three years. But when you when you get into the vets that serve six, eight, ten, twelve, twenty, thirty, you don't. You just don't walk away from the military and the way we do things in the military and have that escape your mindset. Okay. Um, I still fold my clothes in a certain way. I still make my bed in a certain way. Um, when I'm invited to, to dinner, um, showing up at, at 15 minutes before the event was supposed to be kicked off is, is on time for me mm-hmm. if i show up at six o'clock if that's what time the event is i feel like i'm late mm-hmm. even today uh and and many veterans are are the same way um we we just have things that are ingrained in us from the day we walk in to whatever branch we served in um and some things are are ingrained harder than than other branches i mean you, you talk to a marine and you call them a former Marine, and you may end up picking up your teeth.
1: Why is because that? Because
14: there is no such thing as a former Marine. Okay. They they are a Marine. Well, and I see those... And, that's, and that, that's what they'll tell you.
1: I see those bumper stickers on cars, something like, uh, not as lean, not as mean, but still a Marine. Yes. Or sorry, words to that effect. I don't know if I got that exactly right steven do you think that uh there's a lack of understanding in in society in general for what veterans go through um
14: you know the the lack of understanding is is becoming less it's the lack of care after the understanding is what the issue is um you know i I don't want to get into a political thing but you know, I, I struggle with the way our country's headed right now because I proudly served this country for almost 12 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
14: And to, to see these people feel that they can ravage and, and break into and, and scare people and not have anything done to them, is is not okay with me um and i know that's part of their first amendment rights but i serve this country so that they can have that first amendment right Mm -hmm. and and all of us veterans serve this country and all of the active duty members that that may be listening serve this country so that we have the rights that we have that are are constitutionally there and and People are starting to understand us, but they don't care about it. And, that, and that's, I think, what really the issue is. Now, that's not everybody. Don't get me wrong, Doug. There are a lot of people that care
10: mm-hmm.
14: about veterans. Cheyenne's a wonderful city Who, where the majority of people love our veterans. But you drive 12 miles to the south, and, it, and it's a whole new world.
1: So does that go hand-in-hand with patriotism to some extent? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Stephen Brinkley with the Veterans Help Foundation of Wyoming. Again, coming up a week from today, they have the Guns of Wyoming inaugural event. Uh, Stephen, getting back to the event itself, if a business wants to take part, do they just show up or do they need to register? You said that they don't have to pay a fee.
14: Right, there's no fee. What I am asking is that if a business would like to come out, um please contact me by phone or email and if if you could do me a favor doug i i I know you have the the flyer if you could post that up wherever you do sure um absolutely uh and it's got my contact info uh they can reach out to me uh by text by phone by email um and just let let me know that they would like to attend um we're, uh, we're still trying to solidify food trucks, so if there's any food truck owners listening, we'd love to have you reach out to us and, and, and let us know that you'd like to be there. Uh, if there's a, a business that would like to make a donation, uh, they, they can't attend, but they would like to make a donation, we're more than willing to accept that as well. Um, we, like I said, we're just trying to make this the, the best we can and, and ha- let people have fun. Um, the last thing that I'd like to, to let everybody know is that there is going to be a bouncy house that is water-based. So it's going to be fun for kids. So they may want to bring some change of clothes. Uh, Bullseye Archery, I'd like to give them a shout-out. They are going to show up and set up a small archery range with some adjustable bows. So that if you're if you're considering becoming an archer, you're going to have the ability to to do that. The archery range or the uh, the rifle and and pistol range are are if you want to bring your own weapons and your own ammo, come out and shoot. We we'd love to have you. Um, and again, if if you're a, an out you know part of the outdoors, you're a, a right you know an uh, FFL, you're optics your whatever anything that deals with with guns precision whatever we'd love to have you come out and and have fun with us.
1: Steven any last thoughts for our listeners here this morning?
14: I just like to let everybody know that if you if you know a veteran that's in need have them reach out to us. um it's whether we know the veteran or not, it, it takes a toll on those of us that care, uh, about our brothers and sisters to, to lose one or 32 per day. Um, nationwide, the veteran suicide rate is 27 a day right now and it's not being talked about.
1: Does that relate directly to PSD or are there other issues there as well?
14: PTSD, TBI, uh, anxiety, um, they're all, they all relate to each other, and they all cause veterans to unfortunately do things that aren't safe. And that's the reason why our our organization made the decision that we're going to stand up and let other veterans know that we want to recreate that camaraderie, and we want to recreate the knowledge that we have your six all the time.
1: So, if there's a veteran that wants to join your organization, what should they do?
14: Have them call me. Have them email me. Have them text me. Um, if they if they want to uh, if they wanna. Um, uh, if they want to volunteer, uh, we'll put in. I'll, I'll get them in contact with our volunteer coordinator. Uh, if they if they want to do an outdoor adventure with us, I'll get them pointed in the right direction with our uh, outdoor adventure application, which is more of just an, an just gives us information of who that veteran is and what they're interested in doing. Okay. Um, almost every organization does that now.
1: Stephen, when you guys have some more events uh, coming up, be sure and let us know. We'll be happy to have you on there again.
14: That'd be great, Doug. I really appreciate the uh, the relationship that we're building together, and and you getting the word out for us through your uh, through your talk show. Yeah,
1: and we'll be sure and post that on our website too. So
14: we appreciate that.
1: Thanks, Stephen. Have a great weekend.
14: You as well, Doug.
1: Talk to you later. AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one uh, news talk radio station. That uh, was Stephen Brinkley with the Veterans Help Foundation. That's about the uh, uh, inaugural uh, Guns and Whamming event coming up next week. I think I just got the title wrong, but we'll be posting that on our website here in the next few days. So you can get some details. Uh, that's happening actually a week from today, and we'll be putting the information on our website. Good to have you along here on a Saturday. Beautiful day outside. Uh, got lucky with the weather, I think, this weekend. We're just in front of 12 noon. You're in tune with AM650 KGAB. Cheyenne, Orchard Valley, you're in tune with The Weekend and.
12: Slowly sifting through the rubble. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. Crews at the collapsed Surfside Condo building in Florida continue combing through the debris. But now that it's a recovery effort rather than a rescue, team leader Jay Settergreen says the pace of work has changed. We're more focused on making sure that everybody stays as safe as possible and we continue to do our job as diligently as we as we can with that in the back of our mind knowing that we need to make sure that we don't get injured ourselves or we won't be able to help you know bring closure to this site. Officials today raised the number of confirmed dead to 86 with 43 people missing. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen today called on other G20 finance ministers meeting in Venice, Italy to move quickly and finally a global tax deal. The pact would establish a global minimum corporate tax of at least 15% in an effort to deter multinationals from shuffling money into low tax rate countries. In Charlottesville, Virginia, officials removed a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee that was at the center of a violent rally. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson
2: reports.
6: In July 2017, white supremacists marched on Charlottesville. A month later, the
2: infamous Unite the Right rally turned into a violent clash, resulting the death of 32-year-old Heather Hayer. Joe Biden, then a candidate for president, said he was so moved by the tragedy, it helped him to convince to run for office. President Trump said at the time that blame was on both sides for the violence. The city of Charlottesville voted to remove the statue after Virginia's Supreme Court weighed in and allowed the statue to be removed.
12: A nearby statue of Confederate General Stonewall Jackson was also removed. Pope Francis is resuming normal Attention, duties station, after Fox undergoing News intestinal Radio, surgery course, last weekend. The feed Today, of the pontiff celebrated the mass Johnson, and Expected to deliver his weekly the noontime prayer uh, uh, on Sunday. America is listening. Entitled
1: uh, Leadership, Justice, and Jobs in the Age of Wokeism A Conversation with the Conservative Governors that will include Oklahoma Fox Governor news Kevin Podcasts Stitt and Network. Tennessee Stay Governor Bill That's latest coming up. It's information from, from Fox News.
3: Listen on and, and your, download on the on Fox, channel, Fox News Hourly Update Radio on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com from the Fox News Podcasts Network.
10: What are the most most important issues facing Americans today, every Monday, join me, Brett Baer, chief political anchor and anchor and executive editor of Special Report, and my rotating all-star panel of experts as we discuss the policies, practices, and solutions to the biggest and most important issues of the day. You can hear new episodes every Monday. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
3: The Fox News Rundown is a weekday morning podcast that dives deep into the major and controversial stories of the day. Hosted by the anchors of Fox News Radio. Subscribe now to hear a perspective of news you won't find anywhere else. Listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
12: While crimes committed with guns in America continues to rise this year, it seems that road rage is increasing as well. Fox's William Lodginess reports.
7: Jay Bouton got into a traffic altercation Tuesday night while driving near Minneapolis with his 15-year-old son, prompting someone in his SUV to open fire. Bouton lost control and crashed. His son tried CPR, but Jay died in his arms. Road rage is back. At least once a day, someone is shot at, injured, or killed, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Some call it cove rage. Heavy traffic, short tempers, an obscene gesture escalates the situation until one driver retaliates with a weapon. In the last four years, 22 Americans on average were killed or injured every month
12: in road rage incidents, a number that has now nearly doubled to 42. There are searches for suspects in road rage instances outside of Minneapolis, Houston, and Los Angeles as well. Tennessee's new law that outraged transgender people and their advocates has been blocked by a federal judge.
6: The new law signed by the governor said businesses had to post a sign if they allowed someone of either sex to use whichever public restroom they wanted to use inside the business, so whichever gender they identified with. Republicans said these signs were needed to protect people's privacy. The ACLU in Tennessee sued on behalf of two businesses, arguing it violates their First Amendment rights against compelled speech. Judge Aleda Troger issued a temporary injunction stopping the new law, writing that anytime the government prevents or compel speech, it undermines our democratic form of government. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News.
12: A rare, unopened copy of Nintendo's The Legend of Zelda has sold at auction in Dallas for $870,000. The version was created during a limited production run in late 1987. The fantasy adventure game was first... Stop in today or visit KiaOfCheyenne.com for easy scheduling. Your day weather forecast is
7: brought to you by Bob Ruard Motors, an honest upfront deal. All roads lead to bobruardmotors.com. Your Saturday forecast will feature mostly sunny skies, temps cool and comfortable into the upper 70s and low 80s. Northerly winds will be breezy at 15 to 25. For tonight, clear skies, lows in the low to mid 50s. Your Sunday outlook, keeping it sunny with highs in the lower to mid 80s, back in the upper 80s, low 90s, sunny and dry for Monday. Lows in the low to mid 50s. I'm day weather meteorologist on Watson.
6: One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
1: And good morning and welcome once again to Weekend in Wyoming. On this segment, I'm speaking with Dave Jenkins. Dave Jenkins is the president of Conservatives for Responsible Stewardship. Good morning, Mr. Jenkins.
13: Good morning. Thanks for having
1: me. Now, I should mention this uh, this interview is pre recorded on Friday, so uh, we won't be able to take uh, calls on this segment. And uh, again, as with any topic I do, if somebody has an opposing viewpoint, you want to book a schedule or a schedule a segment on uh, Weekend in Wyoming, you're certainly welcome to do so. Mr. Jenkins, you're president of Conservatives for Responsible Stewardship. What, what is that? That's pretty much what
13: the name says. We're an organization. We have 20,000 members nationwide um, of uh, conservatives who actually, you know, really care about um, issues related to conservation, stewardship, uh, safeguarding um, the environment, um, things like that. And we're also, you know, fiscally conservative as well. So um, a lot of our policies um, also tie in with uh, uh, that fiscal stewardship aspect of uh, conservatism.
1: Now here in Wyoming, a lot of time conservative, a lot of times conservative means you tend to uh, favor uh, favor the oil industry and favor the existing leasing system. Your organization doesn't really care for the uh, the oil and gas leasing system we have now, although there is a moratorium in place. but you'd like to see some changes. is that right?
13: Uh, yes, definitely. Um, as it stands now, the way the system works, I mean, You know, the law has been in place uh, for over 100 years and not been changed much. And the last uh, real major change, uh, and and it wasn't that major, was like 40 years ago or something. Um, And the problem is is that um, it's supposed to work one way, and it's actually not working that way. Um, When you – the whole idea of putting these leases up for auction is that you get get these parcels that are sought after because of their oil and gas production potential – and the companies will bid against each other and drive that price up. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the taxpayers are getting um, a good return on making that commodity available, right? It's a publicly owned commodity. And um, the problem is the way it's been ha- happening now is that, uh, first of all, you can nominate these lands for lease uh, anonymously. So these uh, land, much more lands are being nominated for lease than the companies actually have an intent on leasing. And um, what some of this is, is that the companies nominate a lot of parcels to try to confuse competitors so that they don't, the parcels they actually want are not bid against and, and, and the price driven higher. So that means they get a lot of this acreage at minimum bid of $2 an acre. Um, so giving away land for $2 an acre uh, was, I don't think was ever the, the, the real intent here. The real intent was that companies would bid against each other and we'd get a good return. Um, and, you know, some of that happens in Wyoming. There's some parcels that get bid up, uh, but there's uh, more than uh, 22% uh, of the, the eight acres li- uh, leased in Wyoming over the, the past while has um, been going for that minimum bid of, of $2 an acre. So uh, we wanna see that system reformed. We want um, uh, you know, to, to make sure that there's some connection between what's going on with the market and with our leasing Uh, You know, back during the pandemic, um, we had oil tankers lined up off the coast of California. Uh, Companies were going belly up because the price of oil was so low. I mean, it actually went below zero at one point. Um, And yet, we were still holding lease sales. Why would you hold a lease sale when when there's such a a glut of oil on the market? You're not going to get the best return. Um, So why not hold off and and wait till the market improves and then do your lease sale? so, so there's there's that, um, and then when you do get into production, um, uh, the royalty rate for uh, onshore production in the West is um, significantly less than the royalty rate if we uh, if people are drilling offshore in oh, the ocean.
1: Why is that? So, uh,
13: why why is that? I don't. I have no earthly idea. It makes no sense. Okay, okay. Oil is oil, right? Right. Okay. Um, so, um, so those things should in line uh, there's legislation in congress that's bipartisan uh, chuck grassley and jackie rosen that um would raise that minimum bid to ten dollars an acre to discourage some of this um you know, nominating parcels and and uh, um you know more beyond than, than what you really think is um uh, feasible to produce and and uh, get an economic return on um there's legislation in congress to um uh, increase the bonding so that taxpayers are not left holding the bag with uh, orphan wells, uh, which is a problem. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. So we support the pause uh, because we need to reform the system. If we weren't pausing, then everything would be leased during this while we we're trying to, you know, see if we can get these reforms passed. They would be leased under the old system, and you know these leases are good for 10 years. So um, we would taxpayers would be locked in to to Still getting a uh, a bad deal for for that period of time but um but you know the key is that you don't just pause for the sake of pausing that you pause and actually reform the system so that it uh is um, you know fair to taxpayers
1: now my understanding is the pause is effect through the uh, the pause is in effect through the end of this month am i right
13: uh yes and i i, I suspect it'll be extended the the um the Department of Interior is supposed to have an interim report um, this month uh, on sort of what they found when they uh, examined the system and where it can be uh, improved. Um, and we're hoping that that will point to some of the things that um, you know, we're trying to get done legislatively. And then um, I would think probably you'd see another six-month uh, uh, pause to uh, try to help actually get those changes enacted and make, make those changes before you start up the leasing again. And there's no risk to the to, to jobs or to our dependence on, you know, oil and things like that um, because, you know, these companies have stockpiled a heck of a lot of leases. I mean, over the past four years, we put up an area the size of Tennessee for a lease, and um, I think it's like 22 million acres across the West currently uh, leased, uh, and there's more than 10,000 existing permits that have not yet been developed. Uh, So um, you talk to, you know, the head of Devon Energy or Occidental Petroleum, they'll tell you, we've got enough permits and leases to last us the entire Biden term and and longer. Um, So it won't affect our production or anything whatsoever. Um, And and the pause doesn't affect, you know, existing production or existing leases or anything like that. Um, So we think the pause is a good thing. We think it's prudent because we want taxpayers to get a fair shake.
1: Now, here in Wyoming, um, I'm hearing a lot about it hurting our state revenues, however, because we do get a portion of uh, the receipts from those leases. What would you say about that?
13: Well, I would say you should be the ones that are most in favor of reforming the system. Okay. Um, because uh, if, if, you know, if we're not getting a, a decent amount of uh, our fair market revenue from um, from the oil and gas activity that's going on, um, well, you know, whatever we get whatever the government gets is split with the state right so it's not just the taxpayers the federal you know from a federal perspective that's getting uh short changed it's uh, also the people of um wyoming um so um you know if we reform the system and we have less of that acreage going for two dollars an acre and go you know if there is minimum bed that goes for ten dollars if we um uh try to get the system where it works more like it's supposed to or companies bid against each other for the, the valuable parcels, um, then you know, Wyoming stands to make a lot more money in the long run. Uh, and you know the, what I just said before, this doesn't affect existing leases. It doesn't affect uh, existing permits. It doesn't affect existing production. It only affects leases going forward. So I don't see how anyone can come to the conclusion with the stockpile that's out there that this little pause to try to reform the system is somehow going to cost jobs or, or affect, uh, you know, the revenue in Wyoming. It makes no sense. The way you affect the revenue, the way you increase the revenue, is fixing the system. And if it takes six months or a year to fix the system, then it's uh, it's time well spent.
1: Now, I, I think I picked up on a couple of the reforms you'd like. So you mentioned a couple of the bills in Congress. You mentioned uh, you'd like to see minimum bids. Uh, I believe you also at least implied we need to get rid of the anonymous leasing. Is that correct? Yes,
13: I I don't see what's the point in keeping that anonymous. Um, you know, um, it just it just causes people to play with the system. I mean, here's a uh, you. Know, there is a perfume entrepreneur uh, and that, that's from uh, what used to be Burma. I can never pronounce it. Myanmar.
1: Myanmar. Yeah. <laughs>
13: yeah. Um, and. Um, she has um, bought up 70,000 acres across the West, um, has no experience in oil and gas, uh, but just likes the idea of owning the leases and that, you know, maybe someday, maybe someday the wind will strike her and she will get into oil and gas. Um, and she's a poet, by the way. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a Canadian company that um, uh, bought leases at minimum bed in Arizona. Um, Arizona doesn't really have much oil and gas, nor nor Nevada, um, but they did it under this oil and gas leasing system because they could get it so cheap. But their real intent is not to produce oil and gas. Their real intent is to look for copper. Um, oh, really? So a, Canadian, a Canadian company looking for copper, trying to use the oil and gas leasing system. Uh, you know, and and you know more than two million acres have been put up for lease in Nevada, and Nevada is a hard rock state. You can drill all you want to in Nevada. You're not going to find oil. Um, so why on earth would you put two million acres in Nevada up for lease and let people, you know, basically control that land and keep it from being managed for other purposes for a decade?
1: It makes no sense. So how can we address that? What can we do to fix that?
13: Uh, well, there is there's legislation also uh, that would uh, uh, basically prevent the BLM from uh, bidding out. Lands that are geologically deemed as low potential, uh, in other words, uh, uh, every every indication is they they're just not much there. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be economic to produce. So why lease those lands? If you can just stop from leasing those, and you can raise the minimum bed amount, then what you're going to get is the industry focused really on the stuff that's promise that's the most promising, which will will be a boon for taxpayers and for the state of Wyoming.
1: Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Dave Jenkins, the president of Conservatives for Responsible Stewardship. We're talking about oil and gas leasing. Um, and again, I'll, I'll repeat, if somebody else has another view and wants to come on my program in the future, I'd be more than happy to uh, to schedule a segment. Uh, Mr. Jenkins, here in the information I was given prior to our interview, uh, it refers to misinformation by the oil industry regarding leases. What's some of the misinformation?
13: Well, you actually uh, mentioned it just a little while ago <laughs> that uh, that this pause is somehow going to um, uh, cost jobs, or um, uh, cost states revenue, or um, uh, cause us to uh, have to import more oil, more oil. Um, that's just simply not true. They're just making it up because all you got to do is look at the numbers, the number of. Existing permits that have not been developed, the the amount of acreage that's under lease, 22 million acres that's not been developed, Um, the um, uh, the fact that existing production is not affected, that existing leases are not uh, 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 affected, and that uh, the the folks in the oil industry that's that actually you know does this uh, have been saying, oh, we got plenty of stuff stockpiled, so. Uh, we can go quite a while without, um, you know, more leases coming online. Um, so I don't see if you've got that situation and you look at the facts, where do you, what, what line of uh, logic do you get where it actually has those impacts? It doesn't. It's just trying to scare people into saying, oh, this is a bad thing. Uh, but if, if taxpayers have been getting fleeced for you know a long time on this and we've, figured out that hey there's a way to fix this that makes it uh fair for taxpayers um, it's prudent to take that pause and and to try to fix it um the other thing people need to really keep in mind is that you know we have built up a, a mountain of debt in this country um uh, over the past four years because of the pandemic uh, obviously uh more of the pandemic stuff this year and even before that obviously uh with all the stuff we did to, to try to stimulate the economy back in the um, what, 2008, 2012, all of those time frames. Um, so we got this huge amount of debt. And if we're not getting a fair return on the commodities that we make available for profit for, for, for companies, if we're not getting a fair shake there and, and they're able to rig the system so that uh, they don't pay much and, and it doesn't come back to the Treasury, then digging out of that huge mountain of debt is uh, going to fall more and more on the shoulders of individual taxpayers. Why would
8: anybody want that?
1: Now, Mr. Jenkins, based on uh, some of your comments here a few moments ago, I would infer, too, that uh, you're saying that the uh, oil and gas lease moratorium really doesn't have anything to do with the high price of gas these days or the increasing price of gas. Would that be a fair statement?
13: Uh, Yeah, it has absolutely zero to do with that because, like I said, all this stuff is future, way future. I mean, beyond the... The, the years of, of stockpiled stuff that the industry already has at its fingertips, um, this is well beyond that. And what we're dealing with in terms of gas prices right now, is just a um, an adjustment period because, you know, with the pandemic subsiding and people getting vaccinated, uh, economic activity is is picking up, as we we hope it will and uh, continue to do so. But it's picking up. At a pace that's like really fast, and so when you've got a whole system that's geared towards supplying a certain amount of uh, fuel, um, it's going to take a little bit for that to get caught up when demand spikes like it just has. Um, so so we'll see we'll see these higher gas prices uh, probably through much of the summer uh, because everybody everybody's been cooped up for a year. They're like they're like get me out of here. I'm gonna go somewhere. And uh, so it takes fuel to do that, right? Um, but this is not a long-term thing. And and um, the thing that people in, in uh, states like yours need to really, really think about hard is that there's a trend going on in uh, in transportation fuels that is um, you know really going to to, to um, disadvantage oil and gas. Um, the electrification of, of, of um, the transportation sector. Every semi-truck manufacturer in the world is rolling out of 100% electric semi-trucks. Um, FedEx is or has ordered hundreds and hundreds, or thousands, actually, of, um, of electric, fully electric delivery bands, as has as UPS. And Busch, Bush, Walmart, they've all ordered um, fully electric semis. Uh, General Motors has said all of its cars are going to be electric by 2032 or something like that. So, with all that happening, um, we're going to start seeing a demand issue with respect to oil and gas. The demand is going to go down, uh, and therefore that's going to affect prices. And the problem is in this country, it costs us quite a bit to pull that oil out of the ground, uh, especially across the West where you're doing uh, the the, you know tapping into the oil shale and stuff. so you need 40, 45, 50, 55, depending on the well and the infrastructure and all that stuff, um, dollars a barrel to just, just break even or make a profit. Um, the uh, head of Royal Dutch Shell said that he believes that we're gonna be in a time where the price of oil would be, as in his words, lower forever. So he's talking about sub $40 a barrel oil forever. And if that's the future, because of the way the transportation grid's going, then that is gonna put a, a, a lot of companies out of business across the West because they can't simply make a profit at you know $35 a barrel oil or $30 a barrel oil or $25 a barrel oil. Um, so for the state of Wyoming, if, if I was in charge, which I'm not, uh, I would really be thinking about diversifying the state's revenue stream Because you don't want to be so heavily dependent on oil and gas at a time when the energy market is in such a period of transition.
1: Now, I've actually spoken to a state economist on this subject numerous times, and and he's told me that at uh, any price under $60 a barrel here in Wyoming... Um, it's really not cost-effective for the companies to go after it. You're saying it's going to be maybe $35 a barrel. Uh, does that mean basically our long-term future for the oil industry in Wyoming is pretty bleak?
13: Well, yes, that's what I would say. And um, that's why, you know, you shouldn't be focused on this pause. I mean, the pause is if, you can get, if we can get more revenue from the oil that's being produced in the short term, uh, that would be a great thing, and you take advantage of that. Uh, But uh, over the long term, you need to be looking further out and say, okay, in 2030, you know, what's the likely price of oil going to be? And if it's below that threshold, whether it's $60 a barrel or $50 a barrel, uh, you know, you look up in places like Alaska, like the Arctic Refuge, the price of oil needs to be $85 a barrel just to break even. Um, So, um, you know, it varies from place to place. But when you start looking at that and you look at where the price trend is going – then you've got to get in sync with the market. You've got to say, okay, we're going, the market's going this direction. We need to take our cues from the market and we need to diversify so that we're not stuck in a situation where the market is working against us.
1: How about natural gas? You mentioned electric cars. A lot of electricity plants these days are powered by natural gas. Is the long-term outlook for natural gas a little more favorable?
13: Uh, Actually, it's kind of in the same boat. Okay. Um, Because if you look at our electric grid, um, our coal plants and our uh, natural gas plants, um, they were all built, most of them were built quite a while back, uh, especially the coal plants. I mean, I think the last one was built in 1990, okay? And the natural gas plants are getting old, too. And these plants have a a shelf life. I mean, they an operating life. And um, for, um, you know, they're usually, it's usually about 30 to 40 years, okay? And as they get older, they become, they require more maintenance and it costs more to operate them. And so the trend we're seeing is that with both coal and gas, but especially coal, but gas is sort of following a little bit behind that in the same direction, is that as these plants age, the, the, cost, the, the cost effectiveness of their ability when they produce electricity uh, they get a, a bit of a disadvantage vis-a-vis other sources of energy uh, for example in Arizona there's a there's a, a coal plant it produces electricity for around $80 a megawatt hour mm-hmm. the new solar and storage facilities that are going online across the west some of them are selling electricity on a 20 year contract for $14 a megawatt hour so if you're an electric customer or you're in a uti- or your utility that cares about, you know, what your electric customers are paying, um, then you look at that landscape and you say, okay, coal and gas, plants are getting older, it's getting more expensive to operate them, and the price of natural gas is projected to increase to double by 2030. Anyway, that's another aspect of it. Um, you see them going in that trend where the, the cost of electricity produced by those fuels are going, is going up. While the cost of electricity with solar and with storage now, you've got the reliability issue um, uh, better handled, um, and wind is, is sort of in a similar price range. Um, low and going down, um, it's really hard for a utility now to say, okay, the smart bet is for me to build another gas plant. Uh, they're not. They're, all their new capacity is, is coming in on in wind and solar.
1: Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Dave Jenkins, President of Conservatives for Responsible Stewardship. We're talking about oil and gas leases. Uh, we've been discussing the uh, the Biden administration pause and some changes uh, that uh, Mr. Jenkins and his organization would like to see in the leases. Uh, we're down to about two minutes left. Is there anything that you haven't talked about you'd like our audience to know, anything you'd like to especially emphasize?
13: Well, I, I just really think that market thing is very important as as conservatives we've always said follow the market right and um we sometimes get stuck on on okay oil and gas or coal or, or or you know fossil fuels but thing to remember is there's no red or blue or right or left energy Energy's energy okay and we just eat you know it varies what makes sense varies from state to state it varies from um you know over time um, and we just have to look at it, all of it as just energy, and think about where the market's going and what's best for our future. Um, and, and you know, um, I just really would be concerned that a state like Wyoming, um, if it, you get where the governor or other people are just locked in on, um, you know, we've got to be pro-fossil fuels and subsidize them, problem up no matter what, uh, then you know, as the market changes, uh, you're, you're basically going to be in a real pickle.
1: Okay. I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. I've been speaking with Dave Jenkins, the president of Conservatives uh, for Responsible Stewardship. Mr. Jenkins, we appreciate your time. AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Coming up the other side of the news and information break just ahead, we'll be speaking with Mike Heath of the Master Gardener Program. I believe Mike is going to be talking garlic today, Uh, growing garlic, garlic scapes. I'm not sure what a garlic scape is exactly, but uh, that's something we can ask Mike. And that's coming up here just the other side of the uh, news and information break. And, of course, we will be taking calls as we typically do with the Master Gardeners segment so that's coming up here in about three minutes from right now and we will be taking calls at six three two three three two three if you have any questions or comments thanks for joining us nice afternoon out uh, beautiful day for the middle of July I don't I don't do 95 too well this is the kind of weather I sort of enjoy so get out and enjoy the day if you if you have the chance a little bit cooler today I personally like that. Of course, all of the uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days regalias up in downtown Cheyenne. It feels like uh, feels like July in Cheyenne for sure, after what was uh, well, a pretty weird year last year with just about everything on hold. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne News Talk Radio Station. will be speaking with Mike Heath with the Master Gardener program just ahead right here.
7: Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors, an honest upfront deal. All roads lead to bobruardmotors.com. Your Saturday forecast will feature mostly sunny skies, temps cool and comfortable into the upper 70s and low 80s northerly winds will be breezy at 15 to 25. For tonight, clear skies, lows in the low to mid 50s Your Sunday outlook, keeping it sunny with highs in the lower to mid 80s back in the upper 80s, low 90s, sunny and dry for Monday. Lows in the low to mid 50s. i day weather meteorologist Don Watzel.
10: Hannah complained of a headache. It was a rhabdomyosarcoma. Within a few days, Hannah was in treatment because we were told the tumor was very aggressive. And it very quickly became clear that St. Jude was the ultimate place to be. So we've essentially put our lives in South Africa on hold. Incredibly blessed to be here. St. Jude is an asset to the world. The research that is developed here is offered freely to the rest of the medical world. The entire way that the place operates is just to give and to care. I think it's the kind of place that not only stands as a beacon for pediatric cancer, but I think it could teach the world a couple of lessons about how to treat people. And I think if those lessons could be learned even in their most basic form, this world could be a better place. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving
3: children. Learn more at stjude.org.
6: The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters.
5: I started exercising instead of smoking.
6: Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol
5: when I was first quitting was key.
6: Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk.
5: I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything.
6: Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke.
5: I went to places that were smoke-free.
6: I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried.
5: I kept on trying and I learned something each time. Do whatever
3: it takes, no matter how many times it takes.
6: I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it, so can you.
3: You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC.
1: AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Mike Heath with the Master Gardener Program. Good afternoon, Mike.
0: Doug, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty well. How about yourself?
0: Oh, I am magnificent. I'm sitting in here with the hydroponics looking at them and relaxing. And, you know, there's nothing more relaxing than just being around plants.
1: And I understand you're going to talk garlic today, is that right? Oh, garlic scapes. What, what are Start garlic with. scapes? Yeah, see, that's what I was going to ask. Have you ever heard of them before? Nope, <laughs> I have not.
0: Well, then you are probably right along with 99.999% of the rest of the world. <laughs> garlic scapes are probably one of the only delicacies actually grown here in Wyoming. And uh, even that is very, very little and, uh, and small amount. It's a part of the garlic plant that people don't think about at all. Um, and let's start off, you know, what garlic is. It's a member of what's called the allium family. Okay. Which includes chives, onions. Um, there's a lot of flowers with these big, round, beautiful uh, flower heads on that are probably four to six inches across um, and smell like onions. Um so everybody has seen them, I'm sure, even though they didn't know what they were. Now, garlic is part of that family, and they all have the same kind of flower head, and it's a stalk that comes out of the center of the bulb, and it uh, shoots up out of the plant itself. Now, a garlic plant is about two to three feet tall. Now A lot of folks won't realize that just seeing the size of the bulb. But it's actually a fairly large plant, and this flower head will start shooting up Um, about the middle of June. And as it comes up, it just forms a curlicue and it goes around once, maybe twice in a little pigtail looking, uh, shape. And it has a little pear shaped, uh, ball up toward the end of it. Okay. Now that pear shaped ball is actually the flower. And if you let it go, that flower will open and you'll have that pretty showy flower. But that also forms seeds. And if you let that thing form, it's going to take all the energy away from the bulb, and the bulb will actually start to shrink. Okay. So for any garlic farmer, it is a bad thing to let that flower head form. So they got to come off. The neat thing about it is these things are edible, and they are absolutely delicious. And that's the garlic scape.
1: Now, that's not the part of the plant we normally think of. Does it taste like a garlic bulb, or does it taste different?
0: It does, but it's very delicate, whereas your garlic has a stronger flavor, and you've got to get away from the garlic you buy in the grocery store. So I've got to digress for a minute and explain that. That is a California white garlic. Okay. And it is exceptionally mild and weak-flavored because although people like garlic they like it at varying strengths right and there are lots of different uh varieties of garlic out there some are extremely hot some are mild like the california white and some are in between and uh the gansky which is uh, going to be available here in a couple of weeks has a, a, a initial pop of a real hot flavor and like lasts for maybe a second or so and then it Uh, levels off to a real mild, nutty flavor.
1: So Mike, a quick question here, and I realize you're not you know, a gourmet chef or anything, but would you use this garlic in the same way that you would store-bought garlic, say, in chili and dishes you cook at home?
0: Okay, we're gonna get into that. Okay, okay. Because although I am not a gourmet chef, like you say, I have been doing a lot of experimenting with this stuff this year.
1: Okay, very good. I, I, I personally uh, like cooking with garlic, and it's very helpful. Well, stuff. I love
0: to cook. I wish I had more time to do
1: it. Right.
0: Um, but my wife's been helping me out and with some recipes and such, and uh, uh, we have learned that these things, and you don't use them like normal garlic.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: to use the scape itself, think of green onions to start with. Okay. Any way that you would use green onions, you can use a garlic scape. But so much more. Um, we have made a pesto, uh, with this, that is, and if anybody's listening, I'm going to give you the recipe real quick here. Okay. Half cup of finely, half cup of finely chopped garlic scapes, half cup of olive oil, one tablespoon of lemon juice and three cups grated Parmesan cheese. You mix all that together in in a food processor to get the consistency you want. Um, You may have to add a little bit more olive oil, depends on the uh, moisture content of the cheese. Mm -hmm. It is the basis of uh, so many, many, many different dishes. Uh, I took a uh, cracker spread of that to a a potluck here last week, Mm -hmm. and people went nuts over it. It has a very delicate garlic flavor It's not strong and overpowering, and it's something you just can't put down. Even my 20-month-old granddaughter loves this stuff, and you wouldn't think a kid that age would like garlic, and she just eats it up. Um, But That's just one recipe, but I say it's a basis, and you can make it up and freeze it, which is the nice thing about it. Um, I did some dehydration on some, and Linda put it in hamburgers last night absolutely magnificent Uh, we have used it on stuffed grilled chicken uh, as part of the stuffing and it just imparts that garlic flavor throughout the meat Uh, but there again it's not that strong garlic it's a very delicate mild taste Uh, i have used it uh, extensively on uh, eggs Um, and it's it's great there i just mix in with some onion saute it, third it over eggs, it's wonderful. So any way that you can think to use green onions, you can use these, and then there's just so many more applications. Uh, soups, uh, ground up and uh, put on salads, uh, stews, as part of a mix in other uh, foods, and we're just scratching the surface on the uses for these things this year. Uh, Because in the past, I've just thrown them away. Mm -hmm. I've grown garlic for years, and I knew you had to pull them off and get rid of them, I never thought to cook them.
1: So why isn't this more known? Is is it kind of a well-kept secret, or what?
0: Well, see, they're only available for about seven days a year. Uh. Ah. At least the fresh is only available for about that length of time. Um, Because the garlic comes up, and right before it uh, is ready to harvest, is when the scapes come on. And you've got to get them off right away. So, and I've got some that have been in the refrigerator for two weeks. I'm testing how long they last. They're still doing good, mm-hmm. but they're really only available for that very short period. And there's not enough time to get them into the stores. So if you don't know someone that's growing garlic or if you're not growing it yourself, you probably don't know about it. Uh, and probably never have a chance to taste this wonderful dish. Uh, And I just can't express how good this stuff is.
1: Now I would assume you can't buy that in the store, am I right?
0: Well, I am going to try to change that.
1: (laughs) Okay, so you can try and market this then.
0: Well, it will have to be dehydrated though, because on the fresh, yeah, they just uh, don't—they're not here long enough. Mm -hmm. They're they're definitely seasonal. Um, So you have to know someone who's growing garlic uh, to be able to get the fresh scapes. Okay. And I gave a whole bunch of them away this year, and people are just going nuts over them. But uh, dehydrated, I am hoping to get into stores probably next year. Uh, and we'll see how that works out. Um, like I said, it wasn't something I had planned, but yeah, i got to do something with them.
1: It's too bad the and, farmer's uh, market in Cheyenne is later. You could bring those out to the farmer's market. I'd buy some.
0: Well, there wouldn't be enough uh, uh, probably to probably grow around. I only grow about 3,000 garlic plants a year myself. Okay and uh, there wouldn't be enough to actually pay for the farmer's market.
1: I see, okay.
0: But uh, but you know, if somebody wanted something, they could always contact me. Okay. I, I can deal with that. I've got, a, you know, it's not a whole bunch, but some, and I'd like to see other people get into it and start growing garlic here. We have a wonderful environment for it, and this is a real good segue into garlic. Uh, we have a great environment for garlic here in Wyoming. Uh, the soil is good for it. Uh, Garlic is a very heavy feeder so you got to fertilize it a lot Mm -hmm. but uh, it likes that uh, relatively dry uh, sandy loam soil and the winters are great you plant it uh, towards the end of october and it just overwinters and it comes up in the spring kind of like winter wheat does
1: Mike, I, I do need to take a commercial break here, but we'll, we we'll- Informative
7: and courteous is our goal for every sale. Stop in today or visit KiaOfCheyenne.com.
2: It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer, because that is such a scary word. St. Jude takes care of absolutely everything. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge.
5: St. Jude allowed me to focus on being a mom to Bryce. And sometimes I'm just in awe of the impact St. Jude has, not only on this community, but the world.
10: St. Jude is uniquely positioned to advance the cures of pediatric cancer, I think better than any other institution in the world. The contributions make a big difference. Donors are important to us because you get the feeling that you have a team behind you. We have the resources and we have the focus. And so if St. Jude doesn't do it, who will?
3: St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
1: Ah, the census is a special time when we count every single person in the country.
6: Do kids and babies count too? Of
1: course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding schools, hospitals,
3: and more. So complete the census by calling, going online, or returning your form by mail.
4: It's totally private. Visit 2020census.gov and make
3: your your family
4: count. count. Brought to you by Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Ad Council.
15: Hi everybody, I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy, I've been fascinated with animals, especially their tireless work ethic. This work ethic is shared by our best friends, canines who perform life-saving work every day. So please join me in American Humane is supporting our heroic working dogs. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn
1: more. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. I have Mike Heath from the Master Gardener program on the phone. Mike, it does look like we have a caller. Caller, good, good afternoon. You're on the air.
15: Oh, honey. Yeah, uh... Regarding the drought, um, mm-hmm. you know the uh, the programs that uh, the federal government offers to let your land go fallow. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is there a, a time limit? Like, do you have to give advance notice uh, of you know of putting in uh, you know to get those set asides, or uh, can you you know if it's obvious that we're in it right now? uh can you can you put in for the set aside like now or do you have to give advance notice
0: okay my understanding of it is and that's actually more of a commercial ranch or commercial farmer application um you have to put in an application for it you accept it into the program and then you have to leave it i think time period is 10 years and you have to agree to plant it back into uh drought-resistant type grasses and forages during that period. So
15: if, if there was like an emergency year like this one, I, I'm just wondering, you know, you would, uh, right now, you know, in Congress, they've got the infrastructure bill. And the topsoil of America, to me, would be the infrastructure or part of it. And, you know, I mean, they knew back in the Dust Bowl days, what was that, 80 years ago, uh, that uh, you don't want to lose your topsoil. And uh, so I'm just wondering who in their dumbass mind would come up with an idea that you got to put in advance before a drought, uh, uh, you know? And because if if people are turning over their soil, it, you know, just as the drought's hitting, that's going to make it more more likely that that soil's going to be blown away. And uh, yes and no, because
0: there, there's actually more to that answer than what it sounds like.
1: Mike, would this be a question for the University of Wyoming Cooperative Extension Service, perhaps?
10: Well,
0: it, it, well, yeah, it would be, but at the same time, part of it I can answer. Okay. Um, the farmers and ranchers of this country are probably some of the best stewards of the land there are. And out of the Dust Bowl era, we developed a lot of farming practices, such as strip farming and cover crops, that take care of the issues that you're describing and the uh, federal program the conservation reserve program which is the crp which is what you're actually discussing um is not for that issue it's actually to set aside land out of production so that uh, it's there and available in the future if it's needed uh, there have been a few years drought years and uh in my memory some of that land has actually been released early from its contract so that it can be used, uh, primarily because hay was just in such demand at that point in time. We couldn't grow enough of it because of the drought. Mm-hmm. Um, but the CRP is actually a contract with the government just to take land out of production. It has nothing to do with topsoil or trying to uh, preserve it, preserve someone through a drought that just got here. Uh, and of course, this one we, was predicted years ago. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Don Day's been talking about this for at least three years. Sure. Um, and, and I've been discussing it in the newspaper articles I write. In fact, one just came out this week uh, concerning this drought, um, but um, how to take care of your property beforehand. And unfortunately, the paper I write in is very limited in its uh, distribution but this is something you plan for all the time and you just don't turn your ground over unless you're going to have something planted on it uh something drought resistant if there's a drought coming and that's just a uh, proper stewardship for the property
15: well that makes sense just to wrap up i know you're coming on the top of the hour, uh, you know, hemp was uh, a big, before 1927, before it was outlawed, hemp was one-third of the American economy, one-third of it. And so when they outlawed hemp, they, they did it by tricking the farmers into believing that there was something called marijuana when it was really just hemp. And and so they, they outlawed one-third of the American economy. And no, you're, you're right and you're wrong,
0: both. Marijuana is hemp. Hemp is not necessarily marijuana. It's two different plants.
15: Well, I understand there's, there's the smoking and stuff and there's hemp the- Hemp
0: can form THC if it's not treated with kick gloves. In fact, there was a case in Nebraska, I think it was just this last year, a farmer lost his entire crop because he didn't uh, maintain it properly. And within two weeks, it went way over the THC level that was allowed
15: well, what I'm leading up to is, if you if you know about it as a, a weed, you know, as ground cover, uh, but I'm I'm old enough to remember when Richard Nixon was in and he was trying to force hemp outlawing, uh, you know, outlawing hemp in Missouri, and the uh, Department of Conservation out there was saying no, it's too important as duck food, uh, as as uh, shelter for game birds, uh, you know, it. And when you start looking at a drought, you know that this plant though it's hard to eradicate creates a huge amount of shade it prevents uh, topsoil from being lost it provides uh, you know shelter and and uh, it's great uh, uh, what do you call it um, uh, you know cattle food it's um, silage and so okay. the idea that uh, that by they did outlaw it uh, you know by tricking us with the name, whether it was hemp or whether it was, you know, cannabis, but it was still uh, outlawing one-third of the economy, and it it set it up so that so much of, you know, you look at western Kansas, eastern Colorado, Wyoming, many of the the, uh, uh, western states used to be covered in it. I was re- recently reading a book about Utah and the cattle production out there, and they had massive cattle production, but they ate it all down to the nub. And, uh, and so now it's all pretty much desert back there. And, and uh, so we've got to get some of those native plants back in, and it would seem to me that planting hemp is going to be a part of that. Uh, that we got to provide shade for the, the ground uh, in order for the other plants to get back established. And uh, so I just wondered if you got any take on that.
0: Well, you're talking a political issue now. And, and there again, hemp is permitted in Wyoming, uh, but there again, not marijuana.
1: I, th- I think we're starting to get a little far afield here, also from the discussion. Well,
15: to me, it's not political. You know, it's it's you know, it's pure agricultural. It's pure you know, ecological. And uh, the idea that the, apparently William Randolph Hearst he helped cause the Spanish American War, and he was given forests as a reward, and he wanted a play a way to uh, to. He basically wanted to turn paper production into trees yeah. instead of him. Yeah. And so he I mean, by outlawing he him...
0: i ask you a question, though.
15: Yeah. How does
0: this relate to garlic?
15: <laughs> I'm not sure about garlic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think we're... I think we're uh, oh, I'm
15: sorry. Okay.
1: I think we're getting a little far afield from yeah, the topic. All right. Well, take care. Thanks, caller. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Maybe later. Yeah, that that uh, and we've done programs on hemp and may do that again, and that's that's really a whole subject unto itself.
0: We we have, and uh, Catherine I think has done at least two of them, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if anyone else has, but she's done at least two on hemp. Uh, and and there's a lot of issues around hemp, and you know the history of all this other stuff uh, really doesn't play into it, but it's there's production issues and uh, political issues around that whole product. So and I'm really not prepared to go into either one of those. I'm not that familiar with him.
1: (laughs) But back to the subject, garlic. You were talking garlic. (laughs) Kind of got off topic there, but Um, well, what
0: I'd like to see in a little bit of time remaining is you know people. uh, I would like to see planting more garlic. Um, It is it's a wonderful plant. It's got a lot of health benefits that we can get into at another time because it's just not enough time left, but. I'd like to see this come on as a, more of a product, more of a crop here in Wyoming, and not just the standard varieties that you uh, think of, like the California whites, mm-hmm. but the gourmet varieties.
10: Because mm-hmm.
0: the California white will not grow here. It's got to have that warm, um, moist climate, the real loose, loamy soil of the south, mm-hmm. uh, the south, southern coast, actually uh which is why it's called california white because that's where it grows
1: around gilroy uh
0: well there's a lot of areas down there but it's it's really what you see in all the grocery stores nationwide
1: Mm -hmm. it's Um, what people think garlic is because that's what they see in the stores yeah
0: exactly and if you see something different well that's not really garlic Mm -hmm. yeah it is it is better garlic than what you buy in the store um and and they do grow different um the Dugansky is uh, uh, purple with white stripes and just a real pretty bulb. Um, and there's others, uh, silvers and reds, uh, all kinds of different garlic and a lot, of, a lot of different flavors. But I would love to see more people planting garlic for the gourmet uh, garlics um, and see that as more of a crop here because we have the perfect
1: soil. Why hasn't that happened, Mike?
0: Well, we're wheat country right and this is my opinion and why think of something else if wheat is doing so well for you
1: true true uh,
0: in fact how much well, let's go back to the hemp issue for a minute that was real big here a couple of years ago but what have you heard in the last year about hemp
1: i haven't heard much yeah, me either uh, my understanding is and i don't again i don't want to go down the side road too far but my understanding is it's a challenging crop
0: it's a very challenging crop and that's one of the issues that Catherine was bringing up. Um, but there was, was a fad there for a short period of time, and it's gonna die out. But garlic is something that you can put on the land as it is. It doesn't cost you $10 a seed. Uh, in fact, I put 3,000 plants in last year, and I think it cost me about $500. Oh,
1: wow, okay.
0: And, uh, and that's not bad.
1: I'm going to ask a stupid question here that I probably no. should know the answer to, but I don't. Do you grow garlic from a seed, or how do you grow it?
0: Well, you can grow it from a seed, but it's very difficult to do that. Okay. Uh, usually, you grow it from a clove out of the bulb.
1: Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'm going to get my phone number out here, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. And if anyone wants to know more about garlic, uh, or information on how to grow it, give me a call. And it's a cell phone, so you can text as well. That's 307 307- 640 2445 307-640-2445. And, and I would love to talk to folks about this plant. And uh, if you want to get started with it, I can give you uh, a list of folks to go to to get uh, real good cloves to plant and how to get started on it i say it's something that I would love to see going here in uh, particularly Laramie County, mm-hmm. uh, because we're just perfect for it.
1: Well, and we need to diversify our economy and this might be an opportunity do. to do and that.
0: This is something that um, can also be grown by just homeowners in your flower beds and D- use it at home if nothing else.
1: Does the home grown taste a lot better than the store bought?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The nice thing about growing it yourself, and it's any vegetable, it's not just garlic, you control what goes into that plant. Uh, If you're buying commercial garlic, there's a lot of chemicals that are going on it. Right. And not necessarily pesticides, but our land is being stripped of nutrients. And we're trying to compensate for that by putting chemical nutrients, synthetic nutrients back into the soil.
1: Mike, I hate to cut you off, we're about out of time. I do appreciate your time this afternoon
0: you betcha
1: have a but great so Doug. have a great weekend mike appreciate you it too. Bye. am 650 kgab cheyenne orchard valley we're coming up on the top of the hour thank you for joining us once again in the week on the weekend in wyoming program we'll do it again next week from 11 to 1 right here on am 650 kgab cheyenne orchard valley it's one o'clock
12: It's day two for a big conservative event in Texas. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. The Conservative Political Action Conference is in its second day in Dallas. Fox's Casey Stegall is there.
7: About 4,000 people are expected to trickle through here over the next couple of days. The theme here is America Uncanceled. And the whole agenda is packed with events, workshops, speakers, and booths that sort of cater around that message. The headliner comes tomorrow. Tomorrow to close CPAC out. Former President Donald Trump will be here.
12: Former President Trump will speak about 4.35 Eastern tomorrow afternoon. Finance ministers from the G20 meeting in Venice, Italy, have endorsed plans for a global minimum corporate tax of 15%. Companies would be taxed by their home countries if their profits overseas go untaxed. It's aimed at deterring companies from moving profits to low-tax rate countries. Billionaire Richard Branson set to travel to space tomorrow aboard his Virgin Galactic space plane from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Fox's Jeff Paul.
4: Branson will be joined by three employees and two other pilots. They'll be aboard the VSS Unity, a sort of passenger rocket plane. The twin fuselage carrier jet will carry Unity to 50,000 feet, then be released and blast off through the Earth's atmosphere. It should last about 90 minutes from start to finish. Branson
12: will beat Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, who plans a launch into space later this month. A zoo in Omaha says roughly 200 people were possibly exposed to a rabid bat. Henry Dorley Zoo and aquariums paying for rabies shots for 186 people who recently camped overnight at the aquarium. No one was bitten, but one bat tested positive for rabies. America is listening to Fox News. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. There is always someone doing something stupid somewhere. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Join me, Jason Chaffetz, every Wednesday as I shed light on the news and make some predictions along the way. You never know who will drop
3: in. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app, the voices America trusts. Download it now.
12: The Taliban is advancing again in Afghanistan. Fox's Greg Palcott reports.
3: The Taliban offensive
7: continues here amid some reports of a bit of a fight back. Militants continue to make gains across the country. Yesterday, they claim they've got 85% of the country. But in fact, experts say it's only like a third. But still, that's a lot. And the territory continues to mount. Overall, the Afghanistan military has been rolling over, but there are unconformed reports today of a bit of a clawback. Clashes in the south, airstrikes in the west, the government claiming Taliban deaths.
12: The search for nine Cubans missing from a boat that capsized off Florida's coast has been suspended. The boat was reported capsized on Tuesday. The Coast Guard rescued 13 people about 26 miles southeast of Key West. Arizona will no longer accept extra unemployment benefits from the federal government. Instead, though, the governor wants to use that money as an incentive to get people back to work. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal reports.
6: In May, Arizona's Governor Doug Ducey announced they would be joining the growing list of states that are rejecting the extra $300 a week in federal unemployment benefits starting July 10th, saying businesses are having trouble finding willing workers.
15: The increase and extension of the supplemental federal unemployment benefits once. Well intended, is now having the wrong impact.
6: Funny said they'd be setting aside $300 million to help people in other ways, like giving folks a $2,000 bonus to accept full time work, as well as cash for three months of childcare for those currently unemployed who find work. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News.
12: Nightclubs in Paris are reopening 16 months since they were forced to close because of the pandemic. The reopening of Paris's dance clubs is the final step in France's lifting of pandemic restrictions. I'm
15: Joe Chiu, Fox News.